Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday to you all. Let's get ready for a big weekend in sports here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Lots to get to with the Winnipeg Jets with games Friday and Saturday night against the Calgary Flames. CFL playoffs coming up. NFL and we'll also talk about the 20-1 and one Winnipeg Ice, the number one team in Canadian junior hockey. Brian Munn's joining us a little later on. We'll have Marshall Ferguson tee up the CFL playoffs and get his thoughts on the East and West semis. And with many people consuming this podcaster show a little later on on Friday into Saturday, we'll get ready for the Jets and Flames on Saturday night with my good friend Pat Steinberg from the Fan 960 in Calgary. Uh, of course, Jets Minnesota happening today. If you are listening um, you know, later on and you want to just get to Saturday's action and everything that's going on, um, Pat will join us in about 15 minutes or so, and we'll really focus in on Saturday night and the incredible story of the Flames right now who come into this weekend in first place in the Pacific Division and then chop it up with the guys talking football as well as we again. And, of course, it's Friday. We are starting early, but just because we're starting early with a unique Friday afternoon game for the Winnipeg Jets does not mean we will not do a marble race. So to everyone on YouTube, thanks for joining us at the special time. And we'll uh, we will get the marbles going before we finish up in and around one o'clock here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, Do want to thank all of our sponsors for making this happen. Of course, it's Black Friday. Great day to get some great deals. And a great day to support our sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk, including Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our betting partner at Cool Bet Canada. Speaking of Cool Bet, before I bring Remus in, had an amazing time last night here in Saskatoon at the Curling Lots going on right now. We just did another video. It'll be up on all the Cool Bet socials shortly for the 2 p.m. draw today. We'll have more coming up on Saturday night, and um, well, we'll talk about it when we get Remus in here. But let's get the show on the road and welcome in the CTO himself. Remo, what's going on? Hey, Huss. How are you? Feeling good. I'm ready for uh, early Friday. Uh, big weekend. I did enjoy the NFL Yesterday, I think the uh, the Cowboys Raiders game was the game of the day. The other games all sucked, unless you had Josh Allen and fantasy, uh, which I did in some lineups. But now uh, we're done with football. It's Black Friday hockey. I'm see I'm seeing way too many tweets online, Hus, on my timeline, and in ch- people in chat as well being like, "Why is there a game Friday afternoon? It's the annual Jets Wild Black Friday game. This happens every year. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I if you I remember Connor Hellbuck's first start ever." came in a Black Friday game. And uh, it's special to me because that was the day I bought my PS4 on Black Friday. So <laughs> that's, that's how I remember it. That's how I remember it. But yeah, Jet, the Jets Wild annual Black Friday. So I'm pumped for it. Well, you know, and obviously the last two years have sucked for everyone with the pandemic. And that's, you know, changed everything, including travel. But, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, when this game started, um, you know, coming out, I mean, this is a popular time for Canadians to maybe go down south of the border and do some shopping anyways. Uh, it's certainly a festive time. I mean, really, I think in the United States, the Thanksgiving holiday is actually a bigger holiday than the Christmas holidays right now. Um, so, 
It's been an amazing time for Jet fans to make the pilgrimage down and fill the seats at the uh, XL Energy Center and cheer on their team against the Minnesota Wild. I will be interested to see how many Jet fans are at the game in the Twin Cities uh, because, you know, there is a little bit more ability to travel right now. But certainly, I think a lot of people that, you know, would normally have done that before, you know, maybe still staying north of the border right now. So, um, you know, as we get out of this or into a new normal, I imagine we'll start seeing more Jet fans at Wild Games and Wild fans up here in Winnipeg at the Canada Life Center. Um, but for right now, it, it, I think it'll be more of a home crowd than it normally is on this game. That being said, it is fun to shake things up a little bit. There's been a few afternoon games, weekday games in Winnipeg Jets history. And, you know, it's usually, I mean, there's been, a, I think, a couple Martin Luther King Day games. But this is the one that is that has been happening somewhat regularly on the schedule for the better part of, I'd say at least the last five years. So yeah, I am with you when people are all shocked about it. It does seem a little strange, but everything's strange right now. Once you realize where we're at the calendar, what's happening South of the border, it makes sense. And tell you what, I'm here for it. I don't mind doing a show a little earlier on a Friday and uh, take it off and uh, saddling up for a, a Jets game to kick off the weekend on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, NHL games. So if you got the package, you can uh, watch this afternoon. I mean, I had it was great. I like the afternoon weekday sports. I mean, we had I had my tablet on yesterday, watching that exciting Bears Lions game. Real exciting <laughs> tilt there. I had it on the TV as well during the thing. I did have yeah. Lions plus three and a half. So I was just worried the Bears were going to score a touchdown yeah. at the end. It so, was preoccupying me a little bit towards the last ten minutes or so of the program. Um, but you're right. That Cowboys Raider game was wild, back and forth. I mean. Big plays, big mistakes, but more than anything, Remo, literally a million penalties in that football game. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure what you what you do, but uh, it seems like every time there's a defender touching receiver, they just call the flag, even if the ball's uh, uncatchable. Um, I don't know; it's an issue. I'm seeing a lot of people calling us for uh, NFL officials to be full time, to be made full time. It's crazy to me that they're not already. Um, the NFL's like, I don't know, billion dollar industry, and you can't have full time officials. Like, what are we doing here? Why is that? E- why is that even a, a debate? I, I, that's a great question. Yeah. That is, is a great question. I mean, you would think that with the money involved in these leagues, that the they would put a little bit more into officiating because of how you know important it is and. You know, we can talk about P.I. calls and, you know, the standard for throwing a flag and some of the uh, the units or the teams are, you know, certainly more flag happy than others. What's really been controversial this year is the way that they have called the uh, the taunting penalties. And, and that was a huge topic a couple of weeks ago, maybe less so this weekend. And you hope that, you know, common sense will prevail when it comes to that. But, um, yeah, as far as yesterday goes in the in the NFL I mean, a real dud. We knew we were getting one. At least it came down to the end. It was somewhat exciting. If you were cared who was won or lost between the Bears and the Lions. Uh, a fun game between the Cowboys and the Raiders. And a huge win for the Raiders. I mean, they really struggled the last couple of weeks. And the Cowboys now finishing up the AFC West. They finished 1-3 and three against the AFC West. It's a pretty good football team. They beat the Chargers, but lost to Denver. Got killed by Denver at home. Lost to the Chiefs last week. And now lost to the Raiders. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more football, maybe look ahead to the NFL with the lines. By the way, for those of you that enjoy the lock shop, uh, our sports betting podcast that I do with Dustin Nielsen, 
we're going to be normally we'd be doing that when we're live right now with Winnipeg Sports Talk. So uh, as far as get up to about one o'clock live, finish up the YouTube stream and then get right to it with Dusty about 10 minutes afterwards. So Lock Shop will be live before we drop the puck in the Twin Cities this afternoon. But um, we won't talk too much about this game because I think many people are going to be listening to this either after the game or heading into tomorrow. But just building off of yesterday, um, you know, there has been a lot of angst. There has been a lot of concern about where the Winnipeg Jets are right now, as certainly after a very disappointing week where nothing seems to have gone right offensively, at least in the results column. They're still generating shots and doing some things that are giving people hope that a, uh, a breakthrough is just around the corner. But as we'll talk about with Pat coming up, I mean, you got a Calgary team that already has seven shutouts on the season and a Minnesota team this afternoon for the Winnipeg Jets that traditionally has, you know, done a pretty good job of uh, limiting the scoring chances. Although maybe just maybe we'll get a replay of that wild 6-5 overtime game earlier in the season between these two clubs, which uh, for my money has been one of the most entertaining games of the year, even if it didn't end up with two points for the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, that was the, that was the best game. Uh, that game, maybe the, one of the Oilers games, but yeah, as far as entertainment value, regardless of the result, that was one of the top games of the year. Um, oh, hold on, I got I got the cable guy here. Uh, Huss, hold on, I'll I'll be up in a sec. I'll be up in a sec. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell him where, I'll tell him where to go. But um, <laughs> sorry, I when I scheduled it, I I forgot that we were here. Um, we're starting early. But as far as tonight, I'm looking forward to seeing what the lines are. We'd like to see some um, some goals from the Jets, some stuff on the power play. Are they going to mix up the lines this weekend? I'm not sure. But as far as the um, you know the weekend goes, like I'm not expecting. Like I'll be shocked if the Jets win two games here this weekend against Minnesota and Calgary. You want to get out with uh, with the two um, with two points here at least. Like I was hoping they would win Columbus because uh, I think this is a real tough back to back. It is, and it'll be fascinating to see if, you know, the Jets can, you know, maybe get a little bit of puck luck, grind it out. And, and as we spoke yesterday, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, everything should be on the table when it comes to the floor, the forward lines, with the exception of breaking up Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, you know, we have saw Nikolai Ehlers move up to that line, and, uh, you know, they had Wheeler along with Shifley and Kopp. I certainly think there's an argument to be made for maybe somebody in that bottom six to come in. And then the other part that we'll find out a little bit more as we get into the game is what Paul Stastny's return means for the line. Certainly, hopefully, Paul Stastny's return will help the power play in a big way because, you know, for all the angst that, you know, Winnipeg Jets fans have had about the PK and justifiably so, um, the power play right now has completely dried up. And, you know, for a team that had some pretty good success earlier in the season with the power play, not to mention great success at five-on-five five scoring goals, it's been a crazy week where they've made up opposition, opposition goaltenders look like Hall of Famers and increasing frustration, really, that, in my opinion, started towards the end, uh, midway into the third period of the Pittsburgh game, and carried over into the Columbus game. And, you know, no better example of that than Josh Morrissey's uh, uncharacteristic two-hander of uh, Alexander Texier, which uh, got him a $5,000 invoice from NHL player safety coming out of the game against Columbus. So, um, you know, in some ways, I think, you know, we might see 
something good happen for the Winnipeg Jets that gets them going in the right direction. But right now, Remus, it's been pretty clear. This team's been squeezing their sticks quite a bit. They've had a lot of chances. They haven't been putting them where they need to to, to actually score goals. And they're going up on the road back-to-back nights against two very good hockey teams. And, you know, as we'll talk with Pat Steinberg in a few minutes about what's happening in Calgary with the Flames this season. Um, when you want to talk about scoring goals, uh, there's maybe not a more difficult team to score against right now than Daryl Sutter and the Calgary Flames, who have racked up seven shutouts so far this season. Yeah, it's it's incredible what the Flames are, are doing. Total disappointments last year, and they've kind of, fall, you know, even after losing their captain and signing Blake Coleman, um, they're coming back. But, you know, one thing for the Jets, this is why I'm not bringing out the the panic button. I, I do believe they are getting scoring chances, but... For whatever reason, I mean, you see Ehlers in the slot last game um, shooting it uh, wide or Dubois, you know, has a nice chance shooting it wide um, or shooting it right into the goalie's chest. We've seen them have chances. You know, maybe you'd like to see them get a bit close, a bit, you know, closer to the slot area. But I don't think I don't think it's that it's that rough. But the power play, I, I agree. Five on five. My concern not as much, but the I think penalty penalty kill. You're going to want to continue to stay out of the box because uh, you know again among the worst in the league, and the power play is in a bit of a rough patch. But you know maybe some sometimes it's a bit cyclical with the you get hot, you get not. But it seems like they're moving stuff around. Yesterday at practice, putting Wheeler on the wall where he's had success. We'll see if that works. Uh, and as far as the line, you know we're kind of waiting to see what happens with Paul Stanley. He's supposed to play one of the two here, but. I mean, hopefully we won't both. know. Yeah, hopefully both. We we don't know. So we'll be following that throughout the day. I know Leslie Mitchell asking uh, asking if it's confirmed that Stastny is in. I mean, as I said, the coach yesterday said that Paul Stastny was going to play on the weekend. They were working in a power play unit with Stastny and then swapping out he and uh, Riley Nash. Uh, I guess so. It might be a game time decision for Stastny today. But you know, as Remus just mentioned, they did say that he'd be playing one of the two games this weekend. So if they don't think he's ready for the Friday afternoon game, uh, expect to see him on Saturday night against the Calgary Flames. And I, it's unreasonable to, I think, to expect that Paul Stastny's arrival in the lineup is just going to change things like that. But it certainly will give a different look mm-hmm. to the top nine. And I would also suggest that um, the reemergence of Paul Stastny on the power play will be a good thing for the Winnipeg Jets. Certainly, it's not going to get any worse than it's been lately on an 0-for-20 slump right now that has really been impactful in these recent regulation losses for the Winnipeg Jets. So in just a couple minutes, we'll look at this Saturday's game and find out more on the Red Hot Flames with only three regulation losses in their first 20 games and seven shutouts, as we mentioned. Uh, but Remo, I just quickly have to talk about the curling last night. Went out to the uh, the rink for uh, the women's draw. Huge matchup between Manitoba's Carrie Anderson and Rachel Holman. Big win for Carrie. She now can clinch her spot with a win this afternoon, same time when the Jets are playing against Kelsey Rock. And if that happens, all three playoff teams will be the three Manitoba teams. First off, congratulations to Tracy Fleury. She and her rank from East St. Paul has been the class of the event so far. 7-0. and She's taken on Jennifer Jones, who has also already qualified for the playoffs. And Fleury's going to play that game and sit back and chill and get ready for one game to become Canada's Olympic representative. But if Anderson wins, it'll be Anderson versus Jones. What an incredible rivalry that has been over the years. And uh, they'll be playing for a shot at Flurry 
But that Kubat prop we were talking about heading in, will the Manitoba team win the event? That could cash before we even get to the playoffs if Kerry Anderson could do it. But highlights, and I did tweet this out last night, um, the Anderson crew that is supporting Kerry, you can see you can see on the YouTube, the jackets that they made were so hilarious, just with all the different faces of Kerry Anderson. They were a big, big hit last night. And by far the funniest thing that I saw, which was actually quite distracting throughout the evening, was a fellow in the front row of the event right beside the Anderson Holman game who was wearing a Rough Riders luchador mask for the entire duration of the evening. Now, I know masks are mandatory, Reem. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that the luchador mask qualifies as a uh, COVID mask, but there, uh, oh, there, and there you can see it. The, uh, the rider guy, uh, <laughs> it, it was quite funny. A lot of rider gear in and around, but only one rider lucha libre. And of course he happened to be in the front row. Not sure if it showed up on TV throughout the evening, but it was quite hard to take your eyes off it. Despite the great action happening in front of it on the ice. Is he wearing an N95 under that uh, luchador N95, mask? The rider lucha mask. And 95 rider. So that's pretty good. This um this outfit here from the Einerson supporters. I mean, this is where do you even get one of these? This is an incredible, incredible uh attire. I here, fired so. that I fired that out and Jay Boaz, uh, who's a uh, regular listener of Winnipeg Sports Talk, uh, tweeted back, Oh, that's my son's teacher. Um but uh, <laughs> yeah, anyways, they were they were having a great time last night. Uh, they really added a lot to uh, the atmosphere in, in the event last night. And, you know, certainly for Rachel Holman's squad, a really disappointing week. It started off poorly and didn't really get much better. Um, Tracy Fleury has been the story of this entire event. Should Carrie Anderson lose, and we talked about this on the latest video that's up at Cool Bit Canada on, uh, on Twitter and all the social platforms. Should Carrie Anderson lose today to Kelsey Rock, She's a pretty significant favorite. But should that happen, we could be in for chaos because both Laura Walker's rink and the McCarver rink with wins could tie at four at four losses. And we could have four teams battling. So I guess there'd be two playoff matches just to find out who'd be taking on Jen Jones in the 2-3 game. But um, the curling has been phenomenal. I'm looking forward to getting out to the patch at some point on the weekend as well. And then, of course, back. And, and what a plan they've got here for, uh, for Sunday. Women's final is going to be at 11 a.m. And then the patch is going to be showing the Ryder Stampeder game followed by the men's final at seven o'clock. So big day here in Saskatoon on a Sunday. It's certainly a huge day for curling in Canada and a massive day for Manitoba, especially on the women's side. Good things for Mike McEwen. He's still very much in the mix right now um, with two matches today, hoping to be one of those playoff teams and get one step further than he did the last time around when, of course, it came down to the final shot in the final between Mike McEwen and Kevin Cooey. It was Cooey that won and was able to represent Canada, but uh, the Manitobans still very much in the mix on the men's side right now. And uh, we'll recap the entire weekend on Monday's edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, we're going to get ready for Saturday's game against the Calgary Flames with Pat Steinberg. Uh, but many of you watching live or here later, it, today is Black Friday. That's why we've got a Winnipeg Jet Minnesota Wild game this afternoon. 
And that's why we've got some incredible deals for Black Friday from many of our sponsors, including Vita Health Fresh Markets. Today, save up till 60% on some of your favorite products. And there's a great gift card deal as well. Buy a $100 Vita Health gift card and get a $10 gift card for free. Massive savings on the following products today at any of the seven Vita Healths. Prairie Naturals, Prairie Naturals Vitamin D3, Prairie Naturals Bone Broth Protein, NRC, Health First Zinc Citrate, Manitoba Harvest Natural Hemp Hearts, Bragg's Apple Cider Vinegar, La Croix Favorite Sparkling Water, and check this out, especially if you're planning on entertaining, you want some de-alc uh, options for guests this holiday, Sober Carpenter, non-alcoholic beer, they're normally $3.49, now 2 for 4 bucks today only at any of the 7 Vita Health Fresh Markets. Find out more online at myvita.ca. Uh, Let's just say that uh, hydration is, is especially important out at an event like this with the uh, all the fun that's being had by the curlers and the people off the field as well. Of course, when it comes to water and water services in Winnipeg for 65 years, Manitobans have depended on the Stewart family and the Culligan man over at Culligan Water. Uh, they're at 10, uh, the 1200 Sergeant Avenue. 694-5180 is the number. You can find out more at drinkculligan.com. They've got it all for your home or your office. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, bottle-free coolers, whole home drinking water systems, and citywide delivery services where the Culligan man gets you filled up without you even having to leave your house. And of course, for your office or business, commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Hit them up and stay hydrated with the experts 65 years in Winnipeg, family-owned Culligan Water. And uh, still a couple days for you frontline and healthcare workers to get that great deal over at Manitoba Battery. Up until the end of the month, uh, Manitoba Battery is thanking the frontline and healthcare workers by paying the taxes on any automotive battery for those that have helped us get through the challenges of COVID. And, of course, the snow has been flying. It's getting a little chilly. The rinks are forming and it's just about snowmobile time in Manitoba. But, you know, your sled needs a battery too, right? They've got, uh, no matter what kind of sled you have, Manitoba Batteries got the uh, battery for it. Most of them are in between $65 and $75. And, of course, the best price on automotive batteries in town. Go down and see them, 1026 Logan Avenue, 783-8787, or find out more online at manitobabattery.com. All right. Well, with the strange timing of the game, we wanted to give this show a little bit more life. So we figured, you know, while many people this afternoon are watching the Winnipeg Jets and Minnesota Wild, we'll look ahead to Saturday night's game as the Jets head into Calgary to take on the first place Flames. What a season Calgary's had so far. And Daryl Sutter's been a big, big part of it uh, to get ready for the game. I caught up a few minutes ago with my good friend, Pat Steinberg, from the Fan 960 in Calgary. Pat, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk, man. It's great to talk to you and have you on the show. Hoss, it's an honor. I'm, uh, I'm stoked. Let's rock. How's the house? How's everything going for stuff? It's been a little while. I mean, obviously lots going on in the industry and stuff, but you, uh, you're still, uh, still the guy. And I have to, uh, can only imagine after all the conversations that we had about the flames in the summer and the angst in the city about the off season, what did, and more often what didn't happen. What an unbelievable start for this hockey club that goes into this weekend in first place. Yeah, man, it's, it's been, uh, <laughs> it, like, 
I would say a good chunk of Flames fans still don't know how to feel about it, like how what to expect because it was it was supposed to be this year where okay, well maybe they'll be competitive and and maybe they'll be a little bit better than they were last year, but they're sitting first in the Western Conference. They've they've lost three times in regulation in in 20 games to the first quarter of the season. And there's, I, I'm telling you, there's still plenty of people who are like, I'm not sure about this. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for something bad to happen. So it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun and I give them credit. Like I, the, they are an actual legit good team. And I think that we knew that Daryl Sutter was going to make an impact. I think that we knew that Sutter was going to change the way a lot of things were done around here. I just don't know if people expected it to happen as quickly as it has and, and as dramatically quickly as it has. So it's, uh, it's impressive. And uh, I, think, I think more and more people are starting to come around and be like, okay, you know what, maybe this is a good team. Maybe this is not just some sort of crazy thing that's going to end up breaking my heart in the end. But they're good. They're, they're, uh, they're a good, good team. To, they're exciting to watch. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They're getting elite goaltending. Like they're a good hockey team right now. Well, and and you know it's funny because we all knew that there were many really good pieces on this hockey club, but coming out of last season, it was hard to ignore just how incredibly disappointing they were. And then going into the summer, many big changes were expected. I mean, I know chats with you and Will. I mean, you know, people were expecting them to either move on players or significantly shake things up. And it never happened. Mark Giordano left in the expansion draft. He signed Blake Coleman. I mean, those were basically the noteworthy moves in the off summer. And now this team in for, is in first place. We talked a lot about the Sutter effect and Flames fans were hoping. And obviously the organization was banking on it, but it really has happened. I mean, how impressive has the head coach been and how impactful has he been in the way this team is playing and the results they're getting on the ice? Well, he's been he's been huge. Like the the way that they're playing, the consistency that they're playing with, the buy-in they're getting uh, when it comes to uh, the the specific brand of hockey they need to play is is unlike I've ever seen with with this team in particular. Like they they are playing a brand of hockey that is all predicated on having the puck, firing a lot of shots towards the net. And not giving up much. And there were a lot of players that you're like, okay, well, is that is that really the type of hockey that this player is best suited to play, or is that player gonna buy in? And you take a look at like take a look at Johnny Gaudreau and what Johnny has done so far this year. This is the best Johnny Gaudreau that we've ever seen play. He is playing engaged defensively. He's playing a 200 foot game. You don't have to shelter his game in any way, shape or form. And on top of all of that, he is uh, still producing and still leading the team in scoring. And a guy like Johnny Gaudreau has bought in and, and has thrown himself a hundred percent into the way this team wants to play. So, you know, when you get buy-in like that, and I think one of the big things is when Daryl Sutter walked into that room midway through that 56 game season last year. And he started talking about different things and different ways to play. I think it immediately took, and even though the results with Daryl last year were 15 wins, 15 losses, no losses in extra time. I, I think that it, what, what it turned into was this guy's won a Stanley cup. 
two Stanley Cups. This guy has a proven track record, and I think it just automatically perked people up and said, okay, let's actually listen, let's buy in. And and that's something that, you know, this this group has had trouble with. And this is a this is an organization that hasn't always gone out and brought in the biggest name or most accomplished head coach. And then they did. And look at what's happened. So they're playing a different brand of hockey. They're getting buy-in there. You take a look at a lot of the things that I, I look at and a lot of things that I trust. It, it looks like they're playing a sustainable brand of hockey. They're not getting outshot. They're spending more time on the attack. Um, they're, they're generating offense in a sustainable way. It may not be, it may not be as lopsided in every game that they're playing this year, but they're generating in a sustainable way. And, yeah, again, they're not going to have seven shutouts in every 20 games uh, for the rest of the way. But a lot of the things that they're doing that have led to the success they've had feels like things that they can do when the in the final 62 games of the season. Well, I'll say this, considering the issues the Jets have had over the past week scoring goals, we might want to pound the under for uh, the game on Saturday night. I'll tell you that. Hey, just you mentioned, Johnny, I don't know how many hours we spoke over the summer talking about the Gaudreau situation, his contract, would the team trade him, would they sign him? None of it's happened, and now he's having this incredible season. So I imagine the big show, as we get into the next few weeks, the conversation will all be, well, what did they do with Johnny? Are they going to sign him going forward? Because, I mean, he is a huge part of the hockey club, and, I mean, a major asset for the team uh, but man, he's playing himself into a pretty nice paycheck for his next deal. Yeah, and it's it's a story that so on the first or second day of training camp this year, uh, Johnny met the media and uh, he said, "Yeah, I'm probably not going to talk about my contract this year, so um, don't bother asking." Was basically the uh, was basically the message that he gave. And I think you know, I I think that they're doing everything in their power to keep things under wraps to not have leaks come out and i think they're doing everything in their power to make sure that this does not turn into something that is kind of a a a public spectacle and every two weeks it's like okay what's going on with johnny and the flames i still think he's going to resign i still think he's going to sign here long term um i i think that it was actually pretty close to being done uh, in the last uh, in the last number of months like kind of before the season I thought that we were close to having something done nothing ended up getting done and here he is 20 games into the season without a contract the problem the problem is for the flames is that if if it continues to drag on and doesn't get done and and I I still I really do think that they're going to find a long-term uh, agreement here and be able to agree on something but if it doesn't get done and now all of a sudden we're into the new year and we're into January and February and there's still no contract and now we're talking about you know a situation where the trade deadline's approaching and you might be at risk of losing this guy at the end of the year that's when the conversation is going to get really interesting now if I'm a betting man and and uh every and and i am and you know we both are so i am a betting man um i would uh i would put i would put money down that we are going to see him sign and and this is going to get put to bed but you know that 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 uh, those odds change every uh every day it goes by it's like okay well if it's minus 300 right now well then next week it'll be down to kind of maybe it's uh, minus 295 and every every day it keeps on changing a little bit so that's that's the only thing is as confident as I am that something's going to get done. 
you know, you just lose a little confidence every passing week that something hasn't been signed. So I do believe him when he says he wants to say stay. I do believe there's a desire from the Flames to keep him, but you still got to find him. You still got to find a term. You still got to find a, a dollar figure, and that uh, that remains uh, in the ether right now. So we'll we'll see how this thing plays out. Pat Steinberg is uh, the host of the big show on the Sportsnet, the Fan 960, and uh, the host of uh, Calgary Flames Hockey on the station as well. Getting ready for the Jets and Flames 9 p.m. puck drop on Saturday night. What the hell's gotten into Mangiapane? 15 goals on the season? Where the, where did this come from? He is out of his mind. And this, look, he's shooting at like 30%. He's not going to keep on putting up numbers like this, but the guy's out of his mind. And, and he, we knew coming into the season that Andrew Manjapani was a player. Like we, that had been cemented. He went to the world championships last year, this, uh, a number of months ago and was the MVP and turned Canada's fortunes around. And, and he had a great year last year. So we knew Manjapani was legit. We knew Manjapani was a top six player in the NHL. Like we, we, we understood that he could play top two lines on this flames team, but what, we didn't necessarily expect was this guy to step into uh, a role this year, which was not a top six role at all times and shoot the lights out and play with the type of confidence that he's played with under Manchapani is just like the story is outstanding to go from being a undrafted OHL player to a sixth round pick in the NHL in his second go around in the draft. And then to work his way up to what he's worked his way up to is pretty impressive. And this is, this is a guy that's doing it without number one power play time. He's on the number two power play unit, which in Calgary, they typically run the number one unit like 90 out of two minutes, 90 seconds out of two minutes. And then maybe the number two unit can come on for a face off or a line change or something like that. So he's not playing top power play time and he's not playing on the team's top line. The top line of Elias Lindholm, Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk has been lights out. And uh, you're not breaking that line up. Like there have been times when we've seen Manjapani play on what could be called the fourth line. He was playing with uh, Dylan Dubé at, uh, at center ice and, and Brett Ritchie for a little bit. And, you know, you take a look at the even strength minutes and they were being rolled out like a fourth line. Now he's playing with Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman. And, and that is a true second line on this team. And sometimes you see them use like a first line, but yeah, he's done all this in, in circumstances where he hasn't necessarily been fed the best or or um you know most uh the the minutes that would lead him to be the type of goal scorer that he's been to this point and he uh he has a nose for the net he's got a great shot and his confidence level is out of control like he is doing things right now that we never see him do before that goal that he scored against montreal from one knee some of the areas that he's shooting from some of the some of the drive that he's had even without the puck to get to hard areas like we haven't really seen this type of confidence from Manjapani before. I think going to the world championships after the season he had last year, uh, just kicked him to a whole new level in that regard. And he came back with a belief, I think for the first time, a belief that 
NHL is where I belong. Not only is the NHL where I belong, but I'm a good NHL player and I'm going to go out and show you. And, and he has done just that right from the get-go. And the craziest thing about the goals that he scored this year, he scored 14 of his 15 on the road. Like he's, uh, he's all, all one of his goals have been scored away from the Scotiabank Saddledome. So He's uh, he's been outstanding. He has been, and it hasn't just been the goal. So he's been a good player, a consistent player. But yeah, it's been uh, it's been cool to see him rewarded with this type of production. Now, Pat, you can't win without goaltending. God knows we spent a lot of time talking about Markstrom. And I mean, to be honest, I thought Markstrom had a real strong start. I thought he struggled coming back from injury. And at the end of the season, you know, when the team was really playing out the stretch, I thought he kind of looked like the guy. In the first part of the season, all that being said, I mean, he's taken his uh, goaltending level to, uh, well, to a whole nother, raised the bar. And uh, and Dan Vladar, um, I mean, what an addition he's been. Uh, now, the team, I think, has a big part of that. But, man, when you're getting a shutout every two or three games, I mean, there's a lot of things going right. But a big part of that is what's happening in the net. So it's kind of like a twofold thing. So there's no doubt about it that the seven shutouts that they had in their first 19, now first 20 games, like you don't do that without the type of structure the team is playing with. And and that absolutely is a huge part of it. And they have played with really good structure. But at the same time, like you don't get there without really good goaltending either. You still need good goaltending to be able to post those seven shutouts. And here's the thing, I'll, I'll like on the Markstrom front, the thing that has been most impressive to me about him is that he went from being in Vancouver and even in his first few games, I guess would have been first 26 games as a member of the Flames before Daryl Sutter got here last year. He he was a high volume goaltender. He was a guy that saw a lot of shots. He was, you know, in Vancouver and Florida, uh, he would be seeing like 30 plus shots a night and, and he would be dialed in from start to finish in a game because he had to be because the the other team was spending a lot of time on the attack. Well, what the Flames have done and what the Flames have done this year is that they have gone long stretches of the puck not being in their zone and their goaltenders not being tested. And to be one of the to go from being a guy that saw a lot of shots and a lot of chances to now being behind a team that gives up some of the least shots and the least chances in the NHL and to not have your game suffer and to make that adjustment mentally. He talked a little bit about it yesterday. He's like, it's been an adjustment, but you know, he's made the adjustment well, and that's been really impressive. And he's been outstanding. Like he is playing at a world-class level. There's like no doubt in my mind that he'll be Sweden's starting goaltender at the Olympics. And uh, he has been, he has been exactly what they went out to get him for and signed him to a six by six. And then, and then Vladar has been, you know, it's been the same thing with him and he has stepped in. And after his first two starts where he was good, but not great, gave the team a chance to win. He's posted back-to-back shutouts in his, in his last two starts. Um, he had the, the middle start of his five starts was this outstanding game that they ended up losing in overtime uh, on the road in Toronto. And he was the number one star for Calgary and the biggest reason they were able to be in a position to win and eventually get the single point. And he's been really good and he's been calm and he's been a guy that has been a perfect fit inside that locker room. He uh, is, is as like nice and humble and all about the team as you can find. So yeah, the goaltending, the goaltending was a question mark in that we didn't know what Vladar was going to be. We didn't know how Markstrom was going to play behind a team that didn't give up a lot of shots. And we didn't know, you know, the consistency that Markstrom was going to play with. But 
you know, everything is firing on all cylinders. I, I don't think they're going to get 936, 937 team goaltending the rest of the way uh, because that's really hard to do. But I think what's clear is that they got two goaltenders that they can trust and two goaltenders that can give them a chance to win on a nightly basis. And on some nights, they can straight up be the biggest reason why they win a game. Well, it's certainly going to be a great test for Winnipeg. I mean, they had a great start. They were 9-3-3. and And, uh, you know, coming into this weekend, the game on Friday afternoon against the Minnesota Wild, they've now scored only four goals in the last four games and really have wasted some brilliant performances by Connor Hellebuck, who I think has gone eight games in a row, giving up two goals, and they've only won three of those games. Um, but, you know, it was interesting. Of course, the Jets have now developed a bit of a rivalry with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, you know, from the sweep last week, a couple really exciting games a couple weeks ago. Um, but I have to think, I mean, every time I look at the standings, I mean, the Battle of Alberta is back. I mean, the Oilers have a squad. The Flames have done what we've just been talking about. How great are these games going to be? And, and what about just the buzz of that rivalry right now back with the way that both of these teams have started this season? So they played the one game to open the season for Calgary. It was Edmonton's second game, and they played that game to right at the beginning of the year. Oilers won at 5-2. It was actually a pretty competitive game, and I think the Flames actually played some pretty good hockey that night. Five on five, they played a really solid game, but they spent too much time in the penalty box, and I don't know if you have seen uh, the Oilers lately, but uh, when you take penalties on them, they're <laughs> kind of dangerous uh, just with their 50% or whatever it is power play, and I think they scored two power play goals that night um but the buzz is is absolutely on and the the cool thing about the battle of alberta right now is that we still have meetings to come both teams are still showing us that they're not going anywhere both teams are still showing us that they're going to remain really good hockey teams and they do things in like really different ways the flames are a team that's predicated on their five-on-five play and how stingy they are and how little they allow. Um, And it's kind of a a, a team thing. And as much as they're being driven by their top line, which has been outstanding, that Lindholm line has been one of the NHL's best, you know, there's still a team that I think is predicated a little bit more on offense by committee uh, and they're getting great goaltending. Well, then you've got the Oilers and this is no knock on Miko Koskinen, who I know his game has fallen off a little bit. I think he's just getting worn out. He's never been a guy that can take on that workload and and sustain it. But, you know, the Oilers are a team that a lot of the times they just can outscore their issues. And and they're a team that, you know, it doesn't really matter what's going on at one end of the ice because if you've got Connor and Leon uh, putting up three points each and that power play is humming like it has been, you know, they're going to beat you by a 5-3 score and they're going to do it in kind of what looks like a sleepwalk for them. So the different ways they're doing it, I'm really excited to see the next time they play. But yeah, I mean, the buzz is we got a lot of Oiler fans that listen to our radio station, a lot of Oiler fans who live in Calgary and our text line is always lit up with you know the flames are the flames are a false flag and the flames are uh you guys are buying way too much in wait till they play the oilers um i think and and the thing is you know you've got three teams in the pacific right now that i think are maybe a cut above the rest and this is no knock on anaheim who's been a really good story and maybe the ducks do stick around and they're in this conversation all year long we'll see but it kind of feels like vegas edmonton calgary are the three teams in the pacific that have the best chance of wrapping up the division well if if vegas continues to play the way they have they've won eight of 11 
And if they end up wrapping up the division and they finish first in the Pacific, well, then we're talking about a 2-3 Calgary Flames-Edmonton Oilers playoff matchup. And we haven't seen that since the early 1990s. Like we're going on 30 plus years since these two teams have played one another in a playoff series. So I think the buzz is there. The fact that once again, there's a decent chance for these two teams to play one another. It's not a weird COVID year where you wouldn't have fans in the building, all that type of stuff. Yeah, the buzz, the buzz for the Battle of Alberta is picking up. And now we just got to watch and wait for them to play one another once again, because we're still a little ways out from the second game after the first one in October. Well, Jets Flames, Saturday night, 9 p.m., hockey night in Canada. Pat Steinberg is with us from Sportsnet in Calgary. Patty, before we go, uh, the focus on Sunday, of course, is going to be on the West Semi. Stamps, Riders, uh, give us the uh, give us the lowdown. What, what do you think about this game, and can Calgary get it done on the road? And if they win, how many of their players won't be making the trip to Winnipeg because they're unvaxxed? That story is going, if the Stampeders win on Sunday, like that story is going to blow up because I mean, we, I don't know what has and has not been reported, but like, it it, it sounds like two or three pretty significant members of the Stampeders would not be able to play after November 30th. And I don't know if I have to tell you this, but you know, you probably want to have your full complement of players to go to IG Field and play the and play the Bombers. I, 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 they've been pretty good there. It's been a pretty good year for Winnipeg. Like, you want to be without like significant parts of your team. It, it, it actually is kind of this weird simmering story. It's like, okay, well, they play the Riders, they go to Mosaic, but then what? What? And and beating the Riders is going to be no easy task because. They played one another three times in October. It was kind of a three-game mini-series. Calgary played them three and four. Winnipeg, sorry, uh, Saskatchewan played them three in a row with a bye in there. So Calgary won the first two, and Sask won the third one. And there was literally nothing separating the two teams in those three games. Each game was a one-possession game. Two of them were decided by three points. They were defensive slugfests. They were right down to the wire in the fourth quarter. Uh, and that's exactly what I expect. I mean, I, I, last I checked, I think it was uh, Calgary was plus one and a half, which means they're favored by a one and a half and a neutral site. And I mean, the, like there is nothing separating these two teams. Uh, they and, and they go about their business in very similar ways. You know, defensively, it all starts on both their defensive lines. There's ball hawk playmakers in the secondary and, and extremely talented defensive backfields. You know, quarterbacks that have had good but not necessarily great seasons. It feels like Bo Levi Mitchell is really starting to find his game. Cody Fajardo's game seems like it is peaking now, especially that he's got Shaq Evans and Duke Williams in the fold. So you know, Shaq Evans was hurt for a little bit, then Duke joins in. It just everything, everything feels like this is going to be another slugfest, another one possession game that's right down to the wire. The the worry for a Stampeders team is that they're going on the road and playing a mosaic in the playoffs. That's an inherent and there's no doubt about it. That's an advantage for Saskatchewan. But I think Calgary can absolutely pull it off because it's a, a game between two very evenly matched teams. So it honestly could go either way. Uh, and then there's that story knocking on the door. The Stamps do beat the Riders about how many guys can't come to Winnipeg if they get to the Western Finals. So I'm looking forward to the game. I think it should be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be uh, an extremely competitive game. 
And uh, I chose the stamps at CFL.ca just because I like trolling the riders. Um, uh, but also, I think the stamps have got a, a good chance at uh, a good chance of winning that game because I, I do. I still take Bo Levi Mitchell in a playoff game. I still trust that guy even though his season has not been a typical Bo Levi Mitchell season. Yeah, well, I mean, this is pretty much a straight-up pick'em game. I mean, whatever the spread is, one or two points, I mean, that could go either way. The three yeah. games, as you mentioned, were so close between these two clubs, and uh, should be a great weekend of sports, that's for sure. I mean, we'll focus in on the Jets and Flames on Saturday night, and then, of course, uh, buckle up for some CFL playoff action on Sunday and see who will be coming here to Winnipeg to take on the Bombers in the West final on December 5th. Pat, man, great to have you back on the program. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, Let's do this again soon. Absolutely, Hus. That was awesome. Uh, Great stuff with my guy, Pat Steinberg. Again, Jets and Flames, Saturday night, 9 p.m. on Hockey Night in Canada. The third game in four nights for the Winnipeg Jets. Tough spot going up against a, a team that has been one of the great stories so far of the season. Without a ton of off-season changes, Daryl Sutter's gone in and um, really turned that team around from one of the most disappointing in the league last year to a first-place squad heading into the weekend. Of course, folks, it is Black Friday. Thanks to everyone that joined us for the early show. Great to see everyone in here. Do us a favor, hit that thumbs-up button uh, on the YouTube broadcast. And if you have not before already, hit the red subscribe button. Make sure you do that. You're going to want to be subscribed so you are eligible to win some great prizes from our friends at Canadian Club, the official sponsor of Winnipeg Sports Talk and the official whiskey of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We've got a we've got a hoodie, a Winnipeg Sports Talk CC hoodie to give away, as well as an I Love Rye package. And for everyone that won last Friday, I headed out of town right afterwards. We'll have today's winners and last week's winners. Everything ready to pick up early next week when I do get back. Hey, as I mentioned, Black Friday right now. Our friends over at Royal Sports know how to bang out a great sale. Uh, check out their Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for all of the great deals. But uh, Warrior Hockey Sticks are up to 50% off. Female and male Under Armour apparel, 30% off right now. New Balance soccer boots, 50% off. Jets Aviator jerseys, 50% off. And Winnipeg Jets jerseys, home or away, name and numbers, 50% off, in-store only. And here's some more Black Friday deals. Vans Old Schools, all 40% off. Thorough Winter Boots, 30% off. Saks Underwear, buy one, get one 50% off. Um, And Snowboard Clearance Area has been reloaded. Many more in-store deals. It all ends Sunday over at Royal Sports on Pembina. Always great deals there, but especially on a day like Black Friday. I uh, want to give a shout out to our friends at Not Auto Corp as well. Um, obviously, uh, right now we are into winter, and uh, it was interesting seeing uh, the folks over at the Not Auto Corp Insta page featuring many of the people that have just gotten new vehicles getting ready for winter. If you have been thinking that maybe it's time for a new ride before you do anything, Talk to the folks over at Knot. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? They're over at Waverly and McGilvery. The Winnipeg Car Lab is now open as well. Follow them on all the socials at Winnipeg Car Lab, and you can find out more on everything that Knot has to offer over at Knot.ca online. And our friends at Little Brown Jug are just about to celebrate five years. The fifth anniversary, we'll be doing something with the owner next week. Really looking forward to that. But in uh, to commemorate the five years of Little Brown Jug, 
They've got a new beer, the uh, five-year anniversary brew, the Brute IPA, which is a celebratory beer brewed for Little Brown Jug's fifth anniversary, a champagne-like extra dry IPA with flavors of citrus and stone fruit. You can pick that up right now at the Tap Room on William Avenue. Great spot to be if you've never been there before. Also a great spot maybe for your holiday party. You can check the events page at littlebrownjug.ca. And, of course, you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. The new five-year brew, new special commemorative five-year Little Brown Jug tulip glasses, new toques, and if you're thinking about an idea for the beer lover in the family or in your circle, amazing Little Brown Jug gift boxes where uh, you can create your own or they've got a number that are already curated. You can you know, order it online. They'll dress it up nice and deliver it wherever you want. It's all there at littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, Going to talk some CFL with our guy, Marshall Ferguson, in just a couple seconds. Um, of course, East and West semis going on this weekend. Who will come to Winnipeg? Will it be the Riders? Will it be the Calgary Stampeders? And in the East, I mean, we talked to Marsh a couple weeks ago. Huge opportunity for the Hamilton Tiger Cats to take care of business and be sitting at home this weekend waiting to see who they'd play in the East Final. Well, that game in Toronto didn't go their way. It's the Argos that have won the East. They're sitting back. And uh, the Montreal Alouettes with a lot of confidence coming in to Hamilton to take on the Ticats at Tim Hortons Field. So we'll get Marsh on right away. Um, and really looking forward to that. He's been a, such a great resource um, of football knowledge, doing an amazing job on TSN, calling games, and it's been a heck of a lot of fun having him on the program to join us. Now, I think he clicked in. We'll just click back in to get him. Quick update for you that I've been following the curling. Uh, we've got a heck of a game. Jason Gumlickson going the distance with Kevin Cooey, the Manitoba rink at 2-4 and four coming into the action today. Uh, could help a lot of teams out by dealing a third loss to the Cooey rink. Gunner just put up a two and nine. They are up seven, six. Cooey with the hammer in the 10th end right now. A tough morning for Mike McEwen. He lost, gave up two in the ninth to lose nine, five to Brad Jacobs. Jacobs now at six and one assured of a playoff spot and the McEwen rink four and three. The Gunlinkson ring could do Mike McEwen a huge favor by finishing off Kevin Cooey and getting the W, uh, which would then keep the McEwen rink very much into it. If not, they'll need to win and will need to count on a Cooey loss in the final round uh, as well. The other scores, uh, Team Botcher beat Team Epping 10-6. to And nice to see Matty Dunstone, the Winnipeg native, representing Saskatchewan, playing in front of the home fans, getting another win, 8-4 over Tanner Horgan. All right, let's get ready for some football and welcome in our guy, Marshall Ferguson, out in the hammer site of the Grey Cup coming up on the 12th. Marsh, what's going on? How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's good to be on with you. I appreciate the patience. I was just shooting uh, a very windy, very cold video for CFL.ca here at Tim Hortons Field. I'm actually on the on the top floor, as you can see, the beautiful Hamilton skyline coming to you from Tim Hortons Field today there. So uh, everybody, that's where we're playing the big game coming up in a couple of weeks. But we start with the Eastern semifinal here against Montreal for Hamilton, which should be a great one. Looking forward to it. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, I just had Pat Steinberg on, and we talked a lot about Jets Flames, but we did get to the West Final. Let's start off with the East. And, uh, you know, first off, actually, I mean, the fact that the Ticats are in this game, um, you know, the last time you were on the program with us, it was right before that Hamilton-Toronto game, and it seemed like, you know, two wins 
for the Ticats, if they could take care of business, they would have been off this weekend. That was a really disappointing performance for them. I mean, where is this Ticat team at right now after that disappointment? And how ready are they for a Montreal team that seems to have no shortage of swagger or confidence coming into Tim Hortons on the weekend? Yeah, no doubt. I uh, I have my questions about the Tiger Cats and their ability to step up in the big moment right now, honestly, because that Week 15 game, I really do feel like it, it set a bit of a tone that is hard for Ticats fans to forget about because that, that felt like one of the biggest regular season games that we had seen in years between those two teams because you've taken into account what home field advantage means in the Eastern final. And essentially having the buy and having that game at your own stadium is worth a 75% win rate um, in the last 20 years or so. So Hamilton was fighting for a lot that night. A lot of fans from Hamilton made the trip down the QEW, down the GO train to go to BMO Field. It didn't make a difference. I mean, they threw vertically a ton. They took lots of shots and they couldn't complete much at all. So uh, I was really surprised by the approach that night, especially considering the conditions, because it was kind of a playoff weather feel. It was cold. It was rainy at BMO. And it just didn't seem like it mattered very much. But Hamilton, I think this is the danger for them this year is they are what something Jack Armstrong used to tell me when I did radio in Hamilton talking Raptors with him was there's guys in the NBA like Andrew Wiggins who are labeled as forever potential players. What that means is they might never actually reach their potential, but you always see the potential in them. Tiger Cats this year, you're waiting for Brandon Banks to explode and have a three touchdown game. You're waiting for Braylon Addison to be fully healthy. You're waiting for Don Jackson to consistently get the football and just churn out yardage and be a difference maker in the pass catching game. And, but you're waiting for all these things to happen. And it's like, okay, time's up. It's playoff time. I mean, you're playing at home. If, if you don't get these answers and you're not effective in this game, you might be done for the season. And all of a sudden the home gray cup dreams and even going down and having a really memorable East final at BMO against the Argos in December, which seems crazy off the lakeshore there. Like that's all done. If you don't take care of business this week. So um, I think there's a lot of risk right now and in, in thinking through the game specifically, as I know we'll talk about, but the actual strategy of this game, the way that Montreal wants to approach it and how they line up against Hamilton. I mean, it's it, it, danger time. It's danger time for the Hamilton Tiger Cats right now. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, because if we knew the outcome of this game, sports would be boring. But the playoffs are all about having this intrigue going into it. And man, we got a great matchup. Well, and that's what they say. That's why they play the games. I mean, no one's handing the Grey Cup to the Bombers because they had a great uh, regular season. Um, but, you know, you do earn a bye, which is huge in the Canadian Football League. And, uh, you know, full mark to the Argos for getting it done, as well as the Bombers on this side. As far as the Alouettes go, I mean, this is the team that's looked great at times, looked very pedestrian at others, but they certainly are different with Trevor Harris. What do you make of this team that's coming into Hamilton this weekend with the quarterback and the changes they made through the season? How dangerous are they going into the big coffee cup? Yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting to look at how their offense has evolved to going from Vernon Adams Jr. to Trevor Harris. Because I, when the a trade originally happened on CFL.ca, I wrote about the fact that Trevor Harris in his entire career has played a certain style of football. And that style of football does not match what Kahari Jones is doing in Montreal, especially it doesn't match what Kahari Jones is doing in Montreal with Vernon Adams Jr. as his quarterback. Uh, and that difference in stylistic approach, it, it was kind of oil and water to me when the trade was made. It's like, I get it. He was available. You like him. He's veteran. He can give you a chance with an injured quarterback in, in VA. But I just thought, I don't know if this is a very good fit. And at the end of that article, after I said, listen, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but if it's going to make sense, it's because they're going to end up basically taking Trevor style, Kahari's style and meeting in the middle. 
And I looked at the numbers. That's what they've done. Like the average depth of target for VA throughout the year was like 16.9 yards down the field, which is crazy. Trevor's in Edmonton, I believe, was like 9.6. Now it's up to around 10.3. So he's throwing more vertically. His completion percentage is higher. He actually has a higher accuracy grade and production grade on passing plays in Montreal than he did in Edmonton, despite the fact that he showed up and he was trying to learn, okay, what is the body language of Gino Lewis? How do I work with Jake Winnicky? I've never done anything with these guys before. He knew Darrell Walker. He knew Greg Ellingson for years, and yet he's being more productive with this new group in this different offense. So that tells me that he's picked things up really quickly. And then the other thing that jumps out to me with Montreal and Trevor specifically is that I really think Kahari Jones trusts him. Like I'm seeing this more and more, and sometimes you read into the comments in the media Trevor came out this week and said he feels really at home and very comfortable in this offense. And sometimes quarterbacks say that, and I actually watch the games and I think to myself, you're lying. Like you, you don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. here. You're just saying that. Cause that's the thing the quarterback's supposed to say is, Oh, I love this offense and whatever. When I watch Trevor play, I get the sense that he's calm in the pocket and he, he believes in the things that are around him. And I start looking at um, really important down and distances. And for me, that's second and seven plus, right? So second and long and, when Zach Alaros went to Winnipeg in 2019, the Bombers essentially asked him to be, okay, first down, we're going to play Bombers football. It's going to be Andrew Harris. It's going to be little dinks and dunks and crossers. And But on second and long, dude, here, here's the ball. Like, we're giving it to you because this is why we acquired you is to be a difference maker for us because second and seven plus really defines how successful quarterbacks are in this league. And so I looked at Trevor versus Vernon on second and seven plus. When Vernon was the quarterback, they called passing plays on 90% of the plays of second and seven plus with Trevor. They've had 43 second and seven plus plays. They've called passing plays on 43 of them. 100%. They have not called a single running play on second and seven plus this year. When Trevor Harris has been the starting quarterback, the depth of target is a little bit longer on second and seven plus um, the completion percentage. But the thing that really jumps out to me is I'm reading between the lines on how much they're allowing him to take the football, how much they're trusting him to not make the bad play. The interception rate is lower than Vernon's, obviously, because Vernon took more risks. The sack percentage is significantly lower. And on second and long, the touchdown percentage on throws for Vernon Adams Jr. was 3.3%. For Trevor Harris in Montreal, it's 9.3%. When he's in second and seven plus, Trevor Harris is throwing a touchdown on over 9% of his passes on those plays. So to, to me, that says... When they're giving him the rock on second seven plus, they're really saying, here, we trust you. We believe in you. We think you've picked up the offense. Go do what you do with your understanding of CFL defenses. Marshall Ferguson with us getting ready for the East and West semis here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Both games on Sunday afternoon. East winner heads to Toronto to take on the Argos and the uh, winner of the West comes to Winnipeg to take on the Blue Bombers for a spot in the Grey Cup in Hamilton where Marsh is on the 12th of December. Before we get to the West, it's human nature. We focus so much on offense and, you know, the guys that we're picking in fantasy and the guys that end up on the highlight reels. And then we get to defense and we talk about the offensive line. I find the one aspect of the game that doesn't get talked about enough that is so impactful, especially in the Canadian Football League, is special teams. When you look at a game like this that's so closely matched up, and I know the spread is about four and a half, I think it probably should be a little closer um, you know, the difference between winning and losing can be on the third aspect of the football game. Uh, when you look at these two teams, is there a, an advantage from one side or the other when it comes to special teams, Marsh? 
Yeah, when I hear you say that, the first thing that goes through my mind is that yesterday was the 10-year anniversary to the day of the Vanier Cup championship team that I was on at McMaster. And I interviewed my old head coach, Stefan Patatsik, who most recently, before being with uh, McMaster for his second tour of duty, essentially, was was out at UBC and before that he was with the Hamilton Tiger Cats for a year in 2018 and he said to me when I was asking him about special teams because Boris Beattie was the kicker that was with Laval at the time that we played against them in the Banyan Cup and he was an alien even at that point like he was he was kicking the ball ridiculously for somebody who's in, in university football and he said Marsh offense is the is the gas pedal defense is the brake special teams is the steering wheel and I thought, oh man, what a great analogy because That's a good it line. controls the entire game. Like you can push it forward or you can pull it back, but if you can't st- here, who the hell cares? And that's kind of how I view playoff football a lot of the time is you got to have that steering wheel and you got to have that sense of where are we going? How do we want to shape this game? It's a great matchup in terms of special teams coordinators because Mickey Donovan and Jeff Reinbold, I think, are some of the best in the CFL. Uh, but being able to have Reinbold's experience and how aggressive he will be, I mean, he's always got fakes lined up and they're always on the ready list and prepared. Those are the one-offs that can change the game for you and give you a little bit of extra juice. The thing I'm really interested in this one is Hamilton's kicking game does not feel very sound. Like David Cote has been pretty good for Montreal in his rookie year out of Laval. Their kicking game, Joseph Zima, Joel Whitford, the punting situation I think is, is pretty even. But to go from Taylor Bertolette to Michael Domagala late in the season, that's tough. I mean, because he's been put in a, in a situation where Liramira Law, who wasn't automatic, but he was trusted, I think, by the coaching staff and by the fan base. And I mean, Hamilton wouldn't have been in that week 15 situation where they needed to win in order to keep their home field, you know, get the bye, play in the East final automatically. They wouldn't have had any of that. If you would have had an extra point that was hit by Doma Galli in the regular season in the Labor Day rematch, but he doinks that off the upright. And then they have to fight through the remainder of the season to try and find some answers. And uh, I think that, you know, the fan base is a little hesitant right now with the kicking situation return. It doesn't seem like Frankie Williams is going to go. Uh, that's unfortunate for Ticats fans because he can break it at any point. I think with the emergence of Devontae Dedman more so this year, I think we forgot how good Frankie Williams has been at various points in his CFL career at making the big play happen on short notice. Um, so, yeah, I, I look at this as it, it's pretty even across the board. And a lot of this, and I know it's not sexy, and a lot of people don't even realize the way it's happening when you're watching on television, but a lot of this might come down to all of those dogs all those Canadian linebackers that are depth guys and special teams that are just running around. Like these are the guys when I'm covering the CFL draft in the winter that I always look at the measurables and I look at how they plan specialists and I go, that guy's going to be a CFL or why for days like Sunday where they have to run down 10, 15 times on coverage units and battle with somebody for 40 yards as you're running down and pushing them off and trying to find space. And then, and every single play, it's funny. One of my close friends started going to Ticats games. He got season tickets this year. And I started talking to him about special teams and just how crazy it is when you're watching it back on game film. And he said, man, when I sit at Ticats games now, every single time that there's a special team kick or a coverage unit, I just look for the car crashes. And he said, it never disappoints. It's insane what those special teamers do every single play. And I mean, Frederick Plessius is an old veteran played in the 2011 and 2012 Vanier Cups for Laval. He's still in Montreal doing it. Curtis Newton is a veteran out of the University of Guelph. He's doing it for the Ticats while backing up Simone Lawrence at Will Linebacker. So there's a lot of names that you can throw in that hat. But the Canadians and the backup linebackers, they might determine field position in this one. And then it's up to the offenses and defenses to figure it out from there. That's a great point. Let's take a look at the uh, the, the West final. I mean, and this is... 
I mean, in my opinion, it's pretty much a pickup. I know the spread's in and around two points right now for Saskatchewan. Again, giving them a bit of a bump for home field. But you think about the three games that those teams played within four weeks. Calgary really got off the mat with those first two wins against the Riders. The Riders salvaged something out of the series with the win, and that was very important in getting a home playoff game. Um, but you look at these teams, and I mean, you can make a compelling argument on both sides of it. I mean, going in, who do you think has the advantage uh, based on where they are right now at the end of the 14-game regular season going into Sunday? I like Calgary. I, I think Calgary is in a good spot, honestly, right now. And the reason that I say that is the more that I dig into what Calgary wants to do offensively and what Saskatchewan wants to do offensively, Saskatchewan has a lot of, of top-end talent and a lot of potential. But I also look at, at Saskatchewan and think, well, they're, they're really trying to win the game in, in two ways. And, and I mean, it's, it's more complicated than that. But to simplify it, it's like they want to be able to run effectively with William Powell. And then they're leaning on Duke Williams in a way that I think is wholly unhealthy to be the only deep play threat. Because if I am anybody from the Calgary secondary, which, by the way, is last in the CFL with only six interceptions this year. So, like, there's not a lot of fear when you're throwing vertically into that Calgary secondary in 2021. But I'm not leaning towards anybody rolling coverage or otherwise other than Duke Williams. And, And I think for Saskatchewan to say, we're going to beat you in these two ways. And we're going to hit some crossing roads to Keen Schaefer Baker and Braden Lennius over the middle. And I just, I don't know if it's going to be enough because I think what Calgary wants to do is more sustainable. And that is effectively use Kadeem carry, have a variety of receivers getting involved in the game plan and not trusting that it's going to be uh, you know, feast or famine. It's not going to be short or deep ball. They're, they're going to work every part of the field. When you look at a bowling by Mitchell target chart, it's it's like a kid that took a paintbrush and just threw it at the at the uh, the screen in front of him. Like it's it's everywhere. There's no rhythm. There's no rhyme. There's no patterns. When you see a lot of quarterbacks, I go, okay, that's a front side thrower, or that guy. You know, Cody Fajardo, for example, he doesn't throw very much down the rail to the outside on the sidelines, except for under twenty yards to the left side. Well, what does that tell me? He's a flip and rip kind of guy. Like he'll look to the right hand side as a right handed quarterback, and then he'll flip his head to the backside and let it go with this direction. Like that's, you can actually see routes develop when you target enough of these throws. Bo doesn't have really tendencies. And I think what he does is, is a little bit more sound at this point. I wonder what Saskatchewan does building out their quarterback run game, how much they want to put Cody in the line of fire against Jameer Thurman and Darnell Sankey, Mike Rose and Sean Lemon. And like, that's a, that's a question to me of risk reward on running your quarterback. Cause a, a gain of six is not worth having Isaac Harker come into the ball game. If I'm going to call a quarterback run, I'm going to try to use it as a home run hitter and a real change of pace, you know, might be first and 10 when we know we're getting man coverage. And I'm going to bring a guard and a fullback swinging around as personal protectors to Cody. And I'm going to tell him, get the hell down as soon as you pick up 10, 20, 15 yards. Unless you feel like you can keep running and and make it an even bigger play. So um, I'll go back to the Duke Williams thing for a second here, Hustler, because I find this to be, I think, the most mind-blowing statistic that I've dug up thus far in my prep for the Western Semi. On passes of 30 yards or more down the field in 2021, Cody Fajardo, to anybody not named Duke Williams is three of 34 on the year. That is a completion percentage of 8.8%. And that's 30 yards down the field. We're not talking 50, some ridiculous home run shot, Hail Mary. This is this is intermediate to deep passing, 30 yards or more down the field. He is three of 34. To Duke Williams, he's three of six. Duke's only been in the lineup for four games. He's got as many catches of 30 yards or more in the air as every other receiver for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 2021 from the entire 14 game regular season. 
So that tells me that they really don't have anything over the top other than Duke. I mean, Shaq Evans doesn't even have a catch that goes more than 25 yards in the air. Not a single one the entire year. I get it. He was injured. But that's that's damning to me. Like that tells me a lot about what they're up against. And then for Reggie Bagleton on the other side, you know, another NFL re-addition to the fold here in the CFL. When he led the CFL in receiving in 2019, he had 1,444 receiving yards, right? And he was just explosive, but he was catching 70% of the targets that were thrown his way. Well, that's great to be able to have that 70% completion rating, but right now it's 47%. Like they're still working him into the fold. It's just, they're, they're connecting on nine of 19 targets, but then you also think, well, damn, but that guy's had 19 targets in two games. <laughs> like what are they going to do with him? If they actually start to connect, because it's pretty obvious that Bo is going to be stubborn and say, listen, Herjimayala, I like you a lot. Colton Hunchak, you're a nice piece. Kamar Jordan, you're my boy. But this Begleton dude, like I'm going to keep throwing at him because I know what we can create offensively together. I mean, yards per catch in 2019 when he led the league was 14.1. On those nine targets so far this year since he's been back in Calgary, it's actually longer. It's 14.7. So the production is there. The efficiency and the connection between Bo and Begleton is not. If they figure that out in game, man, Calgary could be in control of this one by halftime. Well, you know, and it's funny you bring up Begleton because I agree. I mean, I think he has added just a whole different dimension to that Stamps offense. And I mean, the guy that needed him the most was Bo Levi Mitchell. I mean, Marsh, you did a great job breaking down the QB numbers. And I mean, when you're looking at efficiency and almost every every stat that you're looking at, we're used to seeing BLM at the top of the list, not at the yeah. bottom of the list. And I mean, those are the facts for this 14 game regular season for Calgary. All that being said, he's still believe I Mitchell and I'm sure he's scaring the bejesus out of Ryder fans. that are going to be at mosaic on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, They'll never admit it. But as soon as there's a touchdown thrown, like a 71 yarder that opened up week 12, when they ended up playing in, uh, or maybe it was week 10, but playing in Saskatchewan, when he threw that first play touchdown, you could just see the look on everybody's face in Regina going, Oh God, he's still Bo Levi Mitchell. I kind of forgot about this. Right. Like everybody kind of woke up and realized that he's still that dude. And that's still what he's about. And uh, yeah, for me, like Bo is, is such an interesting study more so than a lot of other quarterbacks. And I don't know if it's his playing style or if it's coaching or it's the system that he's in, but there's just not a whole lot that you can predict because he's as likely to throw a corner out as he is to back shoulder a post. He's as likely to take a five yard out as he is to weight it down and come to the backside and throw an in-breaking route to the field. I mean, he doesn't have these prototypical tendencies and that must make him so hard to defend as a coordinator. Now, obviously he doesn't run. That helps. I mean, that takes a little bit of the load off of you. It's funny. I actually had, uh, I posted a picture this week that I was doing some quarterback analysis on my Instagram page and Bo DM'd me and he said, what you didn't write here is that the real thing that's going to crack open the CFL playoffs this year is the running ability of Bo Levi Mitchell. And I, I kind of <laughs> laughed back to him and I, and I, and I said, well, you know, Bo, I kind of laugh when people call you out for trying to run the football or not run the football because it's not your job, man. I'm like, you do, you do everything really, really well. You don't have to do the running stuff. And he goes, I know I, sometimes I kind of play it up. He's like, sometimes I intentionally don't run just because I think it's funny when people go crazy that I'm not running. And I'm like, I love that so much. So he, he plays the heel in a variety of ways. I spoke to him in the off season in a podcast. He doesn't mind being the heel. He loves going into contentious environments such as mosaic stadium. So he'll be ready. I got, I got a lot of questions about this game, but Bo being ready and applying his leadership is not one of them. The, the one thing I think that, is a challenge to Bo in this game, though, I should mention, is 
he's been, I don't want to say frustrated, but he's been doing a lot of coaching on the field. Like if you really watch the body language and the mannerisms on field, he'll throw a curl route receiver comes out at the wrong angle. And the TSN camera goes back to him and he'll be giving them the, no, I, like, I need you to come back to me, like be, get, get where I need you to be. And he's doing a lot of that. I think he's got to balance the coaching on the field with, Hey Bo, just be the quarterback, man. Like just, just attack, like do what you need to do. You don't always have to be the, the one that's teaching the lessons. I think you can do that during the regular season. Once you get to the playoffs, if the dudes around you haven't figured out the way you need to come backwards on a curl route or the the body mannerism to come out of a speed cut, they're probably not going to figure it out. Like coaching in the game is not going to fix that. You just need to evolve and find answers on the fly in a playoff game. And again, him and Dickinson in-game adjustments, I think they're as good as anybody at it. And uh, this defense for Saskatchewan, I mean, (laughs) Nick Marshall, I would expect he's going to have a couple of double moves probably thrown at him throughout this game because he loves to bite down. And I think Bo is pretty aware of that. So, I mean, you mix in Trey Roberson to the fold and then some of the young offensive linemen that they're running through there in Calgary. And, uh, and there's just so many layers to that game. It's, I'll be very, very excited to to watch it once I'm done doing my CFL.ca playoff coverage here from Hamilton. Well, I, and, and maybe this is too simplistic, but um, it, could this game be decided by the defensive lineman? I mean, you know, the team that gets yeah. to the opposition quarterback. I mean, could that be the difference in the game? Because, but, I mean, both of these defensive lines can get to the QB. And, you know, if you get bullied by Mitchell a lot of time, he'll kill you. And certainly Cody Fajardo with the way that he can run the football, even if he doesn't have those reliable downfield targets, um, you know, in a game like this, when it could be, it's actually supposed to be quite nice. I think about four degrees yeah. above, it's not going to be real cold, but you know, the, the running game is huge, but I, I just have to think that the team that, you know, does a better job of getting into the backfield um, that could be the difference in the football game between winning and losing. Because as we said, there's so many things that are pretty close between both clubs. Yeah. And the defensive line as well. Like when I see Jonathan Woodard and AC letter to Micah Johnson, like they're as good a group athletically up front as you're going to find in the CFL across the board. But I also believe that when I see the, the Calgary Stampeders a little bit more veteran, maybe a little bit more savvy, but they know when to take their shots on offense and on defense, I think they know when to dial it up. Like Brett Monson, their defensive coordinator doesn't get very much credit because everybody just views it as this big red machine. But I really do think that he's found a, a nice kind of pattern for his substitution packages and how he wants to attack opposition offenses that he'll, he'll figure it out. Like they'll, they'll get it going. I, I think Calgary's in a good spot in this game. I really do. Bo, Bo's very good at making people get very quiet when he plays on the road in playoff games. And and I think he's going to do that once or twice in this game. And the question really comes down to, can they hit the home runs with Duke Williams? And can Cody Fajardo weather the storm emotionally? Because it's been an up and down year for him. One that I don't think he expected when he came into training camp. Can he show the mental toughness and the resolve to battle through whatever's put in front of him? If the answer is no to that, I think Calgary controls this one. I really do. And and I would be shocked if Saskatchewan, regardless of how Fajardo handles this, runs away with any part of this game. Hey, Marsh, just before we go, um, listen, I would love to see Saskatchewan win because it would just make that West final even cooler. We'd see, you know, the rest of the seats filled up by uh, Ryder fans. And it would be a real special way um, to send one of those two teams off to the Great Cup. If Calgary wins, though, and I was just talking about this earlier with Pat Steinberg and Calgary on the program, I mean, this could be the biggest story all year in the Canadian Football League. And we haven't talked a lot about Vax, and God knows we don't want to. But, I mean, they've been pretty clear that if they do win this football game, there will be multiple key players on this team that aren't able to come to Winnipeg, which 
to be honest, almost seems inconceivable at this time, but yet here we are. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough spot to be in for any team. I mean, Montreal's got some players of note, I think, as well. So if they were to end up winning, I mean, they got to go. It's obviously easier in the East, as you say, but to go back to Montreal and then to make your way to Toronto. And then do you, if you win that game against Toronto, do you just carry straight to Hamilton? And then you, I mean, it, it's tough. And it's for me, as somebody who wishes everyone would get vaccinated so that we could be closer to the finish line on this thing, uh, I, I view this as being kind of embarrassing for the players that, that can't make the trip. And, and I'm okay with them being embarrassed and I'm okay with the transport Canada ruling that uh, you can't have them going by trains, planes or automobiles or however the heck they want to get to the game. It's like this man, if you want to do that, yes, pro choice, do whatever you want, your body, all that good stuff. But um, if you're going to do that and you're, you're going to endanger the process of the great cup and the CFL playoffs, then I'm okay with them having to sit this one out. And I think that'll send a strong message as we continue to, to try and get people fully vaccinated because sports are a bit of a lens into life and vice versa. So um, hopefully it'll uh, wake some people up that might not be on the same page. And and I think actually seeing the players that don't end up making the trip will make some people go, Oh, okay. <laughs> interesting. And uh, it's same with, same with Aaron Rodgers, right? When that one came out, it was just like people going, Hmm. Okay. Oh, you know what? Some of the Aaron Rodgers stuff that he said before now, it does seem a little bit weird when I look back on it, considering what I've actually learned about this stuff and, you know, don't judge a book by its cover ever. People are diverse and have lots of different opinions and beliefs. And that's fine. That's, that's part of being human. But um, yeah, I, I I think that we'll get through these playoffs and they'll be very fun and very successful. We got great matchups, uh, but that will, that'll rattle some trees. I think if that ends up happening. Well, good news here in Winnipeg. I mean, they had everyone buy in early and uh, they've been all business all season long and uh, they'll be yeah. chilling this weekend, seeing who's coming to Winnipeg for that West final Marsh. I love the content at CFL.ca. There's a great piece up on the TSN website as well. Right now, uh, enjoy the weekend and uh, we'll talk to you soon as we get close to that great cup in your neck of the woods. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I'll mention as well, I haven't even told you guys this yet, but we have secured a, uh, a Grey Cup tailgate party at Merritt Brewing in downtown Hamilton on the actual day of the Grey Cup. It's going to be from 1 to 3 p.m. on Grey Cup Sunday. We're doing it with Canadian football perspective. Going to have hopefully Dustin Nielsen, Derek Taylor. We're going to do a live podcast and we would love to have you and Michael come and hang out as well and, uh, and enjoy a bevy and celebrate the CFL season in 2021. There you go, Bomber fans. Book that Merritt Brewing 1 to 3 on game day up. Marsh, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Hustler. Talk soon. There he is, Marshall Ferguson. You can give him a follow on Twitter at TSN underscore Marsh. Uh, I can't wait to bring on our pal Brian Munns and talk about the red hot Winnipeg ice. We'll do that in just a second. Of course, yesterday, an incredible day of football. Today, some matinee action for the Winnipeg Jets. And of course, tomorrow night, a 9 p.m. start for the Jets against the Calgary Flames, meaning a whole lot of time to get together with the gang and watch the games at Boston Pizza. Of course, you'll enjoy those ice-cold schooners, the delicious pizzas, the amazing Boston's wings, and whatever game you want on the big screen and if the Jets are playing with sound as well. And if you've got a need for a DQ ice cream cake, don't bother going in. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll customize it for you and have it ready to go quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Again, that's at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. We're going to talk to Munzee. We will get you an update from here in Saskatoon for the Canadian Olympic curling trials with our Princess Auto curling report. And don't forget to stick around. We will have a marble race, albeit a little earlier than we normally do today, all before the top of the hour. But, uh, you know, with all the angst 
around the Winnipeg Jets right now, we thought we'd brighten up the mood of hockey fans and talk about a team that's done nothing but beat the hell out of everyone in their way this year. And that's the Winnipeg Ice, now 20-1 and after their win Wednesday night at the Ice Cave. And uh, our good friend, Voice of the Ice, and the Director of Communications for the Canadian Hockey League's number one ranked team, joins us now on the program. Munzee, what's going on? How are you? Us, good to hear. You're in God's country. Have you hit Fuddruckers up yet? You know what? I got a text from a friend that is from Saskatoon that told me that there's a Fuddruckers here. And uh, I, I have not hit it yet, but I will be going there beforehand. Okay. I, I, longtime Winnipeggers will remember a Fuddruckers over in the sort of the St. James industrial area. I think it's a Smitty's right now. And okay. I believe it was partly owned by like Dave Ellett, um, there was three members of the Jets that had a piece of it, but I, I've really? always loved Fud Rockers. Uh, I had no idea it was still here. So thank you very much for the tip. Yeah, no, you know what? It's been amazing. Um, you know, this event, um, you know, curling's big here on the prairies. Uh, the yep. Manitoba team is very well represented. So I have seen, you know, quite a few bomber lids in and around the uh, the rink, but the Ryder fans are ready. I, I, I put this out on Twitter last night, Munzee. Um, I was there watching Kerry Anderson go up against Rachel Holman. And it was very hard to concentrate on the game because there was one individual in the front row wearing a Saskatchewan Rough Riders luchador mask for the entire evening last night. And, uh, you know, just a little combination of the passion for that team and uh, the event here. Uh, but it's going great. And you know what? It's funny. Lots of people, when I've been talking hockey with them, um, you know, certainly what's going on with the Jets. But very quickly we moved to the Winnipeg ice because the teams in Saskatchewan have borne the brunt of this bulldozer so far this season. Let me just first off ask you, I mean, you personally, I mean, you've been in this business for a long time. How refreshing is it for you to be uh, calling games again and doing it for a team that, uh, well, you've only had to talk about a loss once in 21 games. So it must be pretty damn fun doing this night in and night out. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. You know, there's there's no doubt that I wouldn't have minded being down in uh, Nashville one night or down in Tampa or something like that uh, instead of climbing the ladder in Swift Current to get into the press box. But other than that, it uh, it's been fantastic. You know, the coaching staff, the players, the management are so much fun to deal with. And obviously the start that they've had right now has been uh, a little bit easier for everybody to take a little bit of the expectation off. But it's been neat. You know, it's been really cool for me to get back and get into a lot of places. In a couple of weeks, we come to Saskatoon where you are. We go to Prince Albert for the first time, obviously, where I spent four great years. And, uh, you know, we've seen everybody now. Uh, this past weekend, it was a Swift Current Medicine Hat road trip. So now that they've taken the Tigers off that list, they've played everybody at least once that they'll play during this regular season schedule of their 68 games. And, you know, Huss, you've got to say that uh, when you look at it here, the Winnipeg Ice and the Edmonton Oil Kings are the two top teams, and everybody else is kind of playing for third place after that here in the Eastern Conference. And the Oil Kings come in here for games six and seven to wrap up a current seven-game homestand that they're on here in about 10 days. So it's a fun time of the year here in early December and, and late November on the calendar for sure. No doubt about it. Brian Munns with the Winnipeg Ice with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um we spoke before the season and there were high hopes for this hockey club. I mean, I think everyone thought that there was a lot of talent and that they would be capable of, you know, being a a contender, but 
I mean, now 21 games in, having won 20 of them, I mean, is the results, are they even beyond what were what could have possibly been expected? I mean, you don't expect to lose once in every 21 games, but the way that they've done it, Brian, um, I mean, they're really giving it to teams that aren't in the in their league. And then even against the top teams, as you mentioned, handled them pretty much consistently for them. I mean, uh, is this team overachieving right now or uh, are we just finding out really how good this team is top to bottom? Well, you know what? I would have probably said that, you know, kind of pump the excitement breaks until they got to about game 14 or 15. They're just scary good. Like, in all honesty, like Kevin Olszewski and I talk about it every night when we're doing the broadcast. And as much as the goals are fun, like they've scored 113 in 21 games. Kevin always takes me to the other side of it. And James Patrick and Josh Green probably like that side of it too. They've given up 36 goals against this year. That's it. They've given up 36 goals in 21 games. So as dangerous as they've been in the offensive zone, and you know, I think you can probably take a few of those away when they blew out Brandon on opening weekend twice because the Wheat Kings were shorthanded. They had a number of players either banged up or away at NHL training camp. So the number may have got inflated a little bit, but in the last seven to ten games here, like they're legitimately this good. And it's been so much fun to go into the ice cave and see everybody. And, you know, we had our friend Ace Burpee join me for the game on Wednesday night because KO couldn't make it. And being a season ticket holder that he is, and Huss, you can talk about this because you've come into some games as well, whether it's Bisons or Ice, the farthest away you are is eight rows from the playing surface. Oh, it's unreal. Yeah, so you've got a great vantage point right there. And then you've got a team that's, uh, you know, had the success that they have so far to begin the season here uh, in quite convincing fashion that every game's been a party. Well, it, you know, the, it, it is a real fun atmosphere. And if people have not gotten out to it, I mean, it's very affordable, a great spot to bring the kids. Um, uh, but more often than not, you're just about guaranteed to walk away with a smile on your face <laughs> because this team wins every night. Um, hey, you know, I, I, we'll talk about some of the top offensive stars in a minute, but let's get yeah. back to your point about keeping the puck out of the net. I mean, 36 goals in 21 games is a phenomenal number. Um, and, you know, team defense, it all plays into it. But let's talk about the performances in the net right now because, um, you know, that's where it all starts. We know what the Jets are without Connor Hellebuck. Uh, fill us in on the guys in the net for the Winnipeg Ice and how important and sometimes maybe overlooked they've been because of all the scoring that's happening at the other end. Yeah, they've had some nights where they haven't had a lot of work. But, uh, you know, probably the most intriguing part about it is both Gage Alexander and Daniel Hauser of have split things. You know, Gage has played 11 games. Daniel's played 10. You know, Alexander got a lot of uh, hype this summer, getting drafted by Anaheim and spending five weeks at Ducks training camp and just finding out what it takes to play at the next level. Ducks have sent out their goalie coach already here to Winnipeg to work with him for a little bit of practice time. So being a 19-year-old, I guess you'd say he's 1A, but at 17 years old, Daniel Hauser is 17-0-1 in his career, dating back to last year when he started in the bubble in Regina. So, you know, knock on wood, he hasn't lost a game yet this season or in his career. So both guys have been able to have, uh, you know, success there. And, you know, it doesn't really seem to matter which guy James Patrick decides to play. They've both had a tremendous start to the season. 
Brian Munn's with us talking about the 20-1 Winnipeg Ice, who are the, for, oh, geez, it's been about a month now, the number one ranked team in all of Canadian junior hockey. We've got a uh, couple more games on the weekend at the Ice Cave for you to go out and check out. And when you go there, you'll see some of the top offensive stars in the league, including a couple of very high draft prospects. Uh, but I, you know what? I remember having Connor McLennan on right after he got back from, I believe, Flyers camp. Right. And I'll tell you what, what a what a fun conversation that was with a young man with a great personality. Um, but he, every time I look at anything to do with the ice or frankly, the Western hockey league, it's McLennan, it's Mikey Milne and it's Matthew Savoy. And no surprise. You look at the scoring leaders right now, the top three guys in the entire Western hockey league are those three players I just mentioned. I mean, uh, fill us in on uh, the, uh, the offensive prowess and uh, how much practice you're getting on your goal calls these days, Munzee. Well, there's been a lot of them. There's there's no doubt it's been fun in that regard. Uh, you know, McLennan leads the Western Hockey League right now with 17 goals. Matt Savoy's got 24 assists and 36 points to uh, lead those two categories. Mikey Mellon's right behind. I think he's got 15 right now, so he's only two back of McLennan. But, you know, it's been spread out. So they've had an injury to Owen Peterson. So Zach Benson has jumped up onto that line with Matthew Savoy and Connor McLennan. Benson left on Tuesday, I guess it was, to go to Ottawa for the Capital City Challenge that Hockey Canada has put up for all the young under-17 players that one day will wear a Canadian jersey, hopefully, at the World Junior Hockey Championship. So that's given a chance for Chase Berthelet to jump into that top six. And then you've got the Connor Geeky line right now with Mikey Melton and Jake and Smallwood. And, you know, Jake and Smallwood's one of their three 20-year-olds, along with Cole Muir and Nolan Orzak. And all of a sudden, he has five goals in his last four straight games and eight points in his last four. So it's not really just one line. Like, Winnipeg's just coming along in waves. And we haven't even talked about Connor Geeky, who's got 26 points already on the season here. So it's been uh, it's been a really good run for the club. And, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun for sure. Well, you know, I just on Benson for a minute. I mean, yeah. I remember he came in as a 15 year old last year in the bubble. I mean, there was only 24 games, but, you know, from the games that I was watching, I mean, I want to talk about a kid that didn't look out of place right away. I mean, it was frankly incredible at 15 years old. And, you know, now he comes in for his first season and, uh, you know, maybe it was the experience that he was able to get last year, but I mean, he looks like a veteran and what an exciting young player that he is still a couple of years away from hearing his name called in the NHL draft. I kind of call him the magician sometimes because, and I mean this with all the respect in the world, but I see him off the ice and he reminds me of my 10 year old son. (laughs) You know, like he's got the baby face. He's this little guy. He's five foot 10. He's about 160 pounds. And then he steps on the ice and he just dazzles you every time. Like not only in games, but in practice, like what he's been able to do. And, you know, for him to get a chance to go to Ottawa this weekend and skate with the other best Canadian players that are in his age group right now for a few days, and they're going to play the Canadian women's team. So it's a great opportunity for him really to get on Team Canada's radar. Um, you know, he's been a treat. And it kind of goes back to that first question you asked, you know, how are you enjoying it? Like, these players make it so much fun because they are 16 to 20 years old. They haven't had the bright lights of the NHL shine on them yet or anything like that. Like they're still trying to find their way in life, but then they step onto the ice, they throw on their gear and it's just such a treat to watch. And it, uh, it's been cool. It's been a really first fun third to the year. I guess we are as we're just past that 20 game mark and they play 68 overall leading into April. So it's, uh, it's been really cool. Bunzi, uh, just 
looking ahead, um, you know, we're not too far away from uh, World Juniors. Um, uh, what's uh, how many ice players might we see in the in the tournament? Well, Carson Lambos and Connor McLennan went to the summer camp, right? So you would hope for both of those that uh, they would get the invite again. Uh, we would assume that in the next probably week or so, you would hear. Uh, we haven't heard as of yet exactly when the invites will come out, but. You know, what are we here? December, pardon me, November the 26th, when I look at the calendar here. So I would think in the next week or so that the players will get the invite and then they'll go through the training camp and then they'll obviously announce the players that will represent. So, you know, I would think that Lambos and McLennan will be on that list. Uh, you know, do Matthew Savoy and Connor Geeky get an invite? It's usually a 19-year-old's tournament. So both of them being 17, are they a year or so away from that? I don't know. You know, that's that's kind of the curiosity that I've got right now. Maximilian Struhl may have an opportunity to go to a camp for Team Switzerland. I would think those would be the only guys. So that's kind of the, the five that I have circled on my list here right now. But, uh, you know, it, it's definitely starting to become a little bit of a conversation in the room as we get closer here right now as to who could get a chance to get invited and then obviously see how their camps go and then get that final invite to – get going for real when they start on boxing day. Well, you consider what these uh, young men have done so far. I mean, I don't know what more they could have done to be on the True. radar. I mean, when you talk about geeky and, and, and Savoy as well, I mean, Lambos and, and McLennan, I imagine uh, will be part of that club. Um, so it'll be exciting times for the ice two games this weekend with an eight o'clock start on a Saturday night. And then uh, five o'clock on Sunday, uh, tee up the weekend for uh, ice fans. And uh, obviously let them know how they can come out and see the uh, number one team in Canadian junior hockey. Yeah, the game, I guess, first of all, tomorrow night uh, at 8 o'clock, Lucas Vekoski in the Medicine Hat Tigers. He's one of the most elite goal scorers that uh, we've had a chance to see. And, and they played Winnipeg really hard last weekend in the hat. It was a tight game all the way down to the wire. And Willie Desjardins got them playing pretty good. They're a younger team. Like, they lost Cole Sillinger, obviously, to Columbus, who they expected to possibly score 40 or 50 goals for them this year. He stays up, so that's a void for them right now. But they've got a team that works really hard. And then uh, the Raiders come into town for that 5 o'clock start on Sunday afternoon. And there's always good games between Winnipeg and PA. And obviously, Gooley's back there that uh, will be a player for Canada at the World Junior Hockey Championships. Ozzy Weisblatt as well. So they've got a club that maybe doesn't have the wins that uh, they would like to have right now in these division standings. But can guarantee Mark Habchat will have him ready to go this weekend. So big weekend coming up, winnipegice.ca, and hope to see everybody out inside the ice cave. It's been a terrific start to the year, and really, we're only getting going. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I can't wait to have more chats uh, with you throughout the season about the exciting Winnipeg Ice. Again, 8 o'clock Saturday, 5 o'clock Sunday. Tickets available at winnipegice.ca or at the door. And uh, say hi to our pal Kevin O. He hasn't been driving you crazy yet, has he, uh, Munzee? No, Kevin keeps kind of the whole thing rolling for us when I'm running around the rink. So it'll be great to have him back on the weekend, and uh, we look forward to the games this weekend. Thanks for doing this, pal. Anytime. Enjoy my city, eh? Don't forget <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it should be a fun Should be a fun weekend. Been a great week, a lot of work so far, but uh, definitely looking forward to hitting the patch, and I will hit Fuddruckers. Did you get to Humboldt yet? You're only an hour away. Uh, well, no, I mean, I've barely been able to leave the uh, the hotel and get to the curling right now, although that actually would be a nice thing to do on the weekend. Yeah, you're only an hour away. Go check out the rink. Beautiful. Munzee, have a great weekend. Good luck to the ice. All right, guys. Take care. Saturday there it is. Bri Brian Munz, voice of the ice and director of communications 
four, the number one team in the Western Hockey League. And now for what, four straight weeks, the number one team in the entire CHL, 20 and one on the season. They'll try and get that to 22 and one with games on Saturday and Sunday at the Ice Cave. And uh, then, as Munzee mentioned, the end of this road trip next week, a couple games with the Edmonton Oil Kings, the only team. They are the one in 20 and one. And uh, yes, you're right. I don't know who was it, Kabilis or somebody said that we're almost getting into Undertaker territory. Or no, I think that was Ryan Friesen a couple days ago. Um, so they'll be there if uh, they can get a couple more wins on the weekend. All right. We are going to, let's get Remus back in here for a second. Um, great stuff with Marshall Ferguson. Awesome to have Munzee on the program. Big thanks to Pat Steinberg for joining us. And uh, Remo, it's Friday. I do need to get to the cool bet lines, and I do want to do a Princess Auto curling report as we look ahead to the final two draws of the round robin tonight. Uh, but it is Friday, and we may need to get the proceedings going to enter our loyal viewers. And thanks so to everyone that's joining us live today on YouTube uh, who've actually come out in an early time before the Jets and Wild go at it this afternoon uh, because there will be marbles today, even with the early start on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, yeah, we're we're about to do the marbling. So let me uh, let me get this thing ready. You want me to put the uh, the code in? Are we doing it right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we open it up. And uh, for just if you haven't been here before, uh, look in the chat. You'll see the uh, the, the announcement that things are open what you're going to need to do is put in, type in exclamation mark marbles. And of course, make sure that you are subscribed. Hit that red subscribe button and then put in exclamation mark marbles. We'll give you about five minutes to get your names in. Make mm-hmm. sure we've get everybody and then we'll load it up and uh, we'll do our first marble race with, uh, well, with Remus in Winnipeg and myself on the road. Man, it's been fun. It's going to be a great weekend, but it will be good to get back next week. Lots going on, of course, as we count down to the Bombers' Western Final a week from Sunday. Uh, But prizes today are great sponsors. The Canadian Club have hooked us up with a number of hoodies. It's funny. We had a big run. Maybe uh, we've got some bigger dudes like myself um, that have been rocking the double X. I'm not sure if we still have any double X's, but the other size is medium, large, XL, all good. And these are uh, essentially this hoodie uh, along with a special Canadian Club Winnipeg Blue Bombers patch on the side uh, as the official whiskey of the blue and gold. So we've got a hoodie for first place. And then second place, we've got an I Love Rye package, including the great taste of Canadian Club. I did see on Instagram, there are still a few bottles left, I believe, in Manitoba of the special Canadian Club Chronicles 44-year bottle. Um, you know, just the 42 was a big hit that we gave. I think it was P. Sambo that won that um, with, uh, with a very special, special giveaway for us on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. But if you do have a, a, a rye lover that loves things from the top shelf, Check that out. Very limited uh, availability with less than 70 bottles in the entire province of Manitoba. So, Remo, are we open? Are people throwing in uh, exclamation mark marbles getting ready for the big race? Yeah, it's open right now. I see we have about uh, we have 190 people in chat. Is that accurate? And I see um, 67 entries so far. So, yeah, exclamation uh, marbles gets you in. I'll copy and uh, paste them all. See, maybe we have people know that we're about to do marbles and they're coming in to say, to say hi. So uh, great to see everyone here at a different, you know, different time. So 
you know, it's important, hit the subscribe button, turn on the notification bell, and you will know when we go on at uh, different times because it's kind of nice to us. I know there's a Jets game, and we can be like, hey, we'll just do it, do it early. So there we go. Yeah, you know what? This has happened a couple times. Uh, one time due to a funeral. Today during the game, moving it up a little bit. Obviously, people listening on the podcast can listen at, at their leisure. Uh, but we do appreciate everyone mm-hmm. hitting those notifications and making sure they know when we are live and joining us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. Put in exclamation mark marbles. We'll get that going in about five minutes. And in the meantime, let's get to a little Princess Auto curling report from this morning. Kevin Cooey with a big three in the 10th to beat Manitoba's Jason Gunlickson, nine to seven. Uh, Botcher beats Epping 10-6. Mike McEwen falls to four and three with a 9-5 loss to Brad Jacobs. And Matt Dunstone gets his second win, 8-4 over Tanner Horgan. So the men's side looks like this. Gushu and Jacobs are in. Cooey is five and two. And Mike McEwen is four and three. So essentially what needs to happen in this final draw this evening is Mike McEwen is going to need to beat Brad Gushu. That has been a top. The only other team that the only team that's done it all week has been Jason Gunlickson in Manitoba. So maybe the second Manitoba team can uh, give Gushu an L and then they'll be cheering for Team Epping to hand Kevin Cooey a third loss. If that happens, it'll be Cooey and McEwen playing in a, uh, a tiebreaker game with the winner to take on either Jacobs or Gushu in the 1-2 game. Um, and as far as the women's go, uh, it all comes down to this for Carrie Anderson. Carrie uh, can win this afternoon. She is guaranteed to be the third playoff team and will play against Jennifer Jones, the winner of that, to take on Tracy Fleury, who has been undefeated so far. Now, Fleury and Jones play each other this afternoon, but Fleury at 7-0 and oh, uh, has already guaranteed her spot for the East St. Paul rink to be in Sunday's final. So Tracy Fleury and her squad is one game away from representing Canada at the Olympics. Uh, if Einerson were to lose this afternoon... There would be a playoff. Um, we've got the McCarville rink that's already finished at four and four. Kerry would go to four and four. And then you'd also have the Scheidegger and the Walker rinks that with victories would be able to get into that tiebreaker. So potential chaos if Kerry Anderson loses to the Rock rink this afternoon. That being said, she'll be a favorite, should be a favorite. And considering the way she looked playing Rachel Holman last night, I think Carrie Anderson is coming into form at the perfect time. Um, and I think there's a very good chance that we're going to be talking about the final three playoff teams, the three Manitoba rinks, and we'll be guaranteed a Manitoban rink representing Canada on the women's side at the Olympics. So uh, going to be a great draw this afternoon on what should be an incredible weekend here in Saskatoon as we find out who will be representing Canada in Beijing. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of curling in the country and a major sponsor of both Team Jennifer Jones, who is playoff bound, and Mike McEwen's rink, who does need a little bit of help this afternoon to get into that mix. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. You can uh, check out either of the two locations in the city of Winnipeg. Of course, they're Canada-wide, but headquartered and family-owned right here in Winnipeg. And uh, 
You can also hit them up online, 24-7, 365. Whatever you're thinking, they will turn into reality at princessauto.com. All right, we should get to some cool bet lines as well today. Um, let's do a quick look at what we've got for the National Football League on the weekend. Of course, a lighter slate on Sunday because we've had three games yesterday and a few teams on the bye as well, including the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Steelers, and by the way, we're going to get to all of this on the lock shop uh, right after Winnipeg Sports Talk. I'll be hooking up with Chris Abbott and Dustin Nielsen. We'll do our Friday program. So you can uh, check my Twitter at Hustlerama. It'll be broadcast on Dustin Nielsen's Twitter at NielsenTSN1260. And if you're listening on the podcast and you haven't heard the lock shop, same way you're getting Winnipeg Sports Talk, just type in the lock shop, hit the subscribe button, and you'll get new content on Tuesdays and Fridays during football season. After NFL goes, we'll probably go back to one show a week. But Bengals, three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Steelers. Uh, the Texans and Jets. Whoa. If you thought the Lions-Bears was good yesterday, just wait till you see the Texans and Jets go at it on Sunday. Houston, minus two-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, Bucks three-point road favorites against the Colts. Falcons and Jags. Man, there's some garbage games this week. Atlanta, two-point favorites on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Carolina and Miami, another dud game. My God, Carolina, two-point favorites on the road against the Dolphins. This will be a good one, though. Tennessee in New England in Foxborough to take on the Pats, the first-place Pats. Six-and-a-half-point home favorites are the Patriots. Giants-Eagles. Giants laying three-and-a-half on the road. The Chargers are two-and-a-half-point road favorites against the Denver Broncos. The Rams. I don't know how the Rams are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Maybe people are very worried about Aaron Rodgers' COVID toe or fractured toe, as he likes to say. I think he wants a retraction from the New York Times. Uh, anyways, Packers, you don't see them underdogs at home very often. One and a half point dogs against the Rams. Vikings laying three on the road against the Niners. Browns minus three and a half against the Ravens. And the Monday nighter, the WFT coming off a couple big wins. They look to keep it going against the very disappointing Seattle Seahawks. Washington, just a one point favorite for the action. And by the way, CFL, let's do a quick update on the CFL lines. CFI lines are as follows. I haven't really changed all week. Hamilton minus four and a half and Saskatchewan minus two and a half favorites for the two games. And by the way, check my Twitter or go to CoolBet uh, Canada on Twitter. If you're going to make a wager of $10 or more, on the CFL games on the weekend. Screenshot it. Uh, all the information on the contest is uh, out there on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, screenshot it, and they'll be giving away a pair of tickets to the big game in Hamilton to someone that has uh, made a $10 wager or more on the Canadian Football League. And you have up until Sunday to get those in and submit it. So uh, there you go, coolbet.com. If you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. Remo, uh, before we get to the marbles, uh, how about some of those dog games in the National Football League I just read out? You mean uh, Houston versus the Jets? That Houston, one? Jet, Houston Jets, uh, yeah. Atlanta Jags. Yeah, it's terrible. Panthers, Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, I, you could not have tried. I mean, this is all coming off the heels of the Bears-Lions to start off Thanksgiving. I think Carolina like actually has a shot at the playoffs because they have this new um, new spot. And, and the Dolphins with Tua are not 
Horrible. So, yeah, those games are, are rough. Rams, Packers, a good one. Vikings, 49ers. There's a couple. But Browns, Ravens, nice divisional battle. So there are some games. But, yeah, I mean, you're going to have have dud games. Yeah, you know, by the way, Vikings, uh, folks, that's going to be an interesting game, Minnesota and the Niners. Niners have had a couple nice wins coming into this game. Minnesota's a three-point three dog at even money. You can get them at plus three-and-a-half at minus 120. That's where I'm going um, because basically it seems that it doesn't matter what happens in the entire game. You can count on one thing. The Viking games are going right down to the wire and are usually a three-point game. So I'm going to take that extra half point, pay a little bit more to get it, um, but I do think that'll be a close game. But I wouldn't at all be surprised if the, if the uh, Vikes went in and won that football game as well. The exception of the Rams game, and the Rams have been brutal the last couple of weeks. The Niners have stunk at home. And uh, I think the Vikes have a bit of mojo, and they know how desperate they are for wins right now after sort of a tough, uh, a tough start. I'll be hitting that game and much more in the lock shop coming up in about 20 minutes as we get going. But, uh, you know, there's only one way to finish off a great week of shows from Saskatoon, and that is a long-distance marble race, Reem. I think just about everyone has gotten in their uh, their selections. So uh, I think we can officially say last call for marbles, exclamation mark marbles in the chat. If you want to be in it, make sure you've hit that thumbs up button, please. And make sure you've hit the red subscribe button. Have to be subscribed to win some of the great prizes we've got from our friends at Canadian club. Uh, all right, Remo, we ready to go? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. There are a couple of people who didn't get in. I'll, I'll resume it before we do. I'll resume it. You got one last chance. I think I closed it early. Last uh, call, folks. Last this, call. Booger, T-Will, get him in. Yeah, this is now the last call, so make sure you're in. We did have a short uh, Bomber update. Uh, has the Bombers practice today. Uh, Darren Bombing says, uh, Dan, Brandon Alexander was on the field, not practicing. Uh, Jackson Jeffcoat's practicing after being down. It sounds like he's going to be fine. Brady Alvera, non-participant. Dietrich Nichols, back practicing. And uh, a lot of talk about Andrew Harris What's he? I think Bob Irving was saying Andrew Harris is the real, um, the real unknown. We're not really sure. He was in what casual, casual attire. Um, yeah, Bombing's got some great stuff over on his uh, over on his page. Okay, last call. We're done. Let's uh, let's get uh, get ready for the marble race. Um, and I'll just hit uh, you know some great content from uh, from Bombing. Um, Jamarcus Hardrick. Yeah, Jamarcus Hardrick rocking a Fort Gary Lions hat. Bong was mentioning where his son plays. Uh, and Jackson Jeffcoat uh, says he has no doubt about his available for the West Final and said he could have played last week if he needed to. Uh, but yes, as Remus just mentioned, Andrew Harris is the big question mark. Uh, he was uh, out there in the fatigues, not practicing. Um, but I still got to think that Andrew Harris is going to do everything he can to be in that lineup for the 5th of December. Uh, but the good news is Brady Oliveira has been a stud. And my God, I mean, Johnny Augustine, player of the week in the Canadian Football League with 148 yards rushing last week showed that if they need to call his number, he's ready to go as well. So, um, uh, you know, this will be, it's neat to see the Bombers getting out there, getting a little bit of uh, extra practice ahead of the West Semi. Uh, but things will begin in earnest with a playoff game week of practice beginning on Monday after the Bombers find out who they will be welcoming to IG Field. Will it be the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who are the home favorite, or will it be the Calgary Stampeders? And as we touched on with Pat Steinberg in Calgary and Marshall Ferguson earlier, a big story behind the scenes is what happens if Calgary wins. It's been widely reported that a number of key players on the Stampeders 
are not vaccinated, which means that come the 30th of November, they will not be able to fly, which means they won't be coming down to Winnipeg for the West final. So um, I kind of hope Saskatchewan wins. So that's not a big story. And we get to see the Bombers and Riders. But I'll tell you what, it'll be very, very wild to see it if uh, if that is the way that it goes down, if Calgary wins. Uh, and that story will probably take on a life of its own. Good news for the Bombers in. They're all business. They bought in early. No such issues here in Winnipeg. And they'll be ready to host either the Riders or the Stampeders. All right, Remo, how are we looking? Ready to go? We got five minutes. Uh, this is the way we finish it off with yeah. the marble race on Winnipeg Sports Talk. What course are we doing today? I was going to do... I have one here called, uh, let me just bring it up. We'll get ready. It's called uh, The Factory. I think that's a acceptable one, right? That sounds like uh, a Yeah, good I think name. we've done The Factory maybe before. Have but, we? Uh, well, I can bring up the names. Let me, one sec. Let me, um, let me get you looking. No, factory sounds good. Maybe sure. we just talked about it. I can't remember all of them. I mean, uh, There's, as I said. We've done a lot of these, so I just want to get you looking good when I, when I bring it up. <laughs> Make sure you're in a good good spot here. All right. Well, yes. Thank you for tuning in here, though, as well. One sec. Ready? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. And if you are listening to the podcast, again, this doesn't probably translate as well to the podcast as much as the YouTube show. Uh, but definitely do us a favor. Hit us uh, with a, a five-star rating and a little review on Apple Podcasts. Certainly helps us spread the channel as well. All right. How many folks we got in it today? 107 people in. Oh, nice. what, about, what about Hard Landing? I like that name. Hard Landing. Hard Landing. Sure, that sounds good. We have definitely haven't done that one before. Definitely. Hard Landing does not sound familiar yet. we got 100, yeah. and, sorry, 107 people in. Excellent. All right. Well, Remus is going to get us ready to roll. And again, if you're just popping in uh, for the first time and wondering what the hell are we doing, we are doing a Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. Every Friday we do it. We've got some great prizes with Canadian Club. Again, first place. Winnipeg Sports Talk CC co-branded hoodie. Second place, an I Love Rye package, including a little product from our friends at Canadian Club. All right. little early today. Great to see everyone joining us on the program. Hope everyone's ready for a great weekend. Hockey tonight. Jets Flames tomorrow night. Lots to do it. But before we get to the games, we do marbles on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Remus, why don't you let her rip? All right. Some people said this one looks familiar. I don't know. They all start off with like a funnel. I mean, yeah, we, uh, but there are the, here we go. We are off with the Winnipeg sports talk marble race. Uh, congratulations. Uh, thank you to everyone that joined us today on the program and good luck to everybody trying to get a W and one of the great prizes we have here at Winnipeg sports talk wild funnel right now. Remus this is like a hurricane. Nobody has been able to get down the bottom of the funnel just yet. Big move right now for the first uh, for the first guy. This is like literally is like a hurricane. Maybe the physics are just uh, it's like a NASCAR race. No one can get down first. Yeah, I'm wondering. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned people on the podcast. I'm sure they enjoy listening to the call of uh, the Marble Race House. It's like radio uh, when you you know listen to a game, right? So here we are, Jan Nordman, the first one out, and there's James and Manny Fran, and Jan and Manny get shot all the way. All the way down. So we're off here on the course. Trevor Red Ranger in the mix as well. And uh, Manny Fran now in the lead with a a huge rocket shot up into. uh, Okay, this is definitely a wild course right now. It took a little. It was a little slow getting going. uh, But we are in the mix right now. So Manny Fran, Jen Norman. There's Tracy O'Kraniak. Hey, Tracy. 
Uh, oh. Derek's up there as well. Not entirely sure where this is going to right now, but um, Manny looks like he's going to be going over the top. Whoa, Schmidt face. Did Schmidt face get rocketed ahead of everyone? Yeah. Corbin. Yeah, there's definitely some uh, there's definitely some boosters at some place on this course right now. A Corbin Bowen. It looks like Corbin is in. Whoa, who's going to win? Corbin is our winner. Manny Fran in second. No, Manny Fran's not in. Jen Nordman is there right now. Who's going to get in second right now? This is unbelievable. Corbin Bogan is the winner. He's got the hoodie. Who will be second? Could it be Derek? Oh, Manny Fran. Oh, like a just an absolutely photo finish there. Manny Fran taking out Derek Schmidt at the green. We'll have to check the numbers for just how close that was. It seemed like it was almost instantaneous. But Corbin, another first-time winner on it. Way to go, Corbin. Um, great to have you with us. And uh, Taylor, I haven't fallen. I have a chance. This this was quite a uh, this was quite the course. Now the rest of the crew all making its way in. I see Lishka, Rush Lowen, Merrily Girl, Lowry's beard. There's Kubi and Eggs. Todd Fertani. What's up, Todd? Have a great weekend. Say hi to the the gang at Win. I'll see you next week. There's Taylor, who came in at the end. Uh, pretty in Pionk. <laughs> Great name. Who is it going to be? Pionk or Kabilis? Last in. I think it was Pretty in Pionk. There you have the winner, Corbin Bowen. Way to go, Corbin. And Manny Fran, you're a winner too. Corbin, we've got a hoodie for you. Manny Fran, we've got the I Love Rye package for you. I'll be back in the city on Monday uh, but in, in for, for pickup. But in the meantime, Corbin, Manny, Fire an email over to Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. Get us your deets and uh, we'll uh, we'll set everything up and we'll be able to pop by and pick up your gear, uh, either the product for you, Manny, or your hoodie for you, Corbin. And again, thanks again to our friends at Canadian Club for uh, supporting us and uh, working with us on these great prizes to do in the marble races. Uh, you know, Remo, that was a very bizarre start to it, but once things got going, that was uh, one of the more exciting marble races we've seen. Yeah, that was one, a pretty wild race. Um, marbles flying over the top of the track into the finish. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before. A lot of um, a lot of DNFs on that one. A lot of bye buys. And uh, I don't mind the D. I don't mind the DNFs. I mean, there's only two people that are going to win. I mean, we have some excitement. Some people going over the top rope. I mean, I'd rather kick people out of the marble race than out of the chat, like you often do when uh, things get a little hectic. So. Overall, I think uh, I think it worked out very well. So, Corbin, Manny, props to you. Congratulations. Thanks for doing it. Thanks to everyone that participated in today's marble race. Of course, we're doing this a little earlier today because we got a hockey game coming up in about 90 minutes. Jets in Minnesota Wild. For those of you that uh, you know want some uh, more fun content from yours truly, I'll be getting together with Dustin Nielsen in about 10 minutes with the latest edition of the Lock Shop. So check my Twitter or pop on over. Give Dusty a follow as well at Nielsen TSN1260. And you can also follow us on Twitter, the uh, the account at Lock Shop Bets. Thanks again to Cool Bet Canada for their support of the Lock Shop. Of course, of Winnipeg Sports Talk as well and all the coverage we're doing from the curling. Um, hit me up on Instagram at Hustlerama and Twitter. Of course, no show until Monday, but I will have some of the sights and sounds from the Canadian Olympic curling trials. And uh, obviously, we'll be 
tweeting about the CFL playoffs on the weekend, a big day of NFL, those some ugly games that we just talked about, and the real excitement coming up on Sunday here, 11 a.m. the women's final, 7 p.m. the men's final, and on Monday we'll be doing a show knowing who is representing Canada at the Olympics, and uh, it sure as heck looks like it will be a Manitoba team on the women's side. Carrie Anderson needs a win this afternoon to guarantee that all three Manitoba teams will be the playoff teams. Tracy Fleury, 7-0. and She's awaiting the winner of, in all likelihood, a Jones-Anderson matchup for Sunday's final. Uh, once again, want to thank all of our sponsors, Vita Health Fresh Market. Check out those great Black Friday deals today and Royal Sports. Holy smokes, do they have a lot going on. I wasn't able to get through everything Royals got on, but if you go to Instagram at Royal Sports Pemita, um, hit their Insta story, um, you know, hockey sticks, shoes. I mean, tons of gear. I'm sort of jealous that I'm not there right now. This would have been a great day to hit Royal. Our friends at Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug. Don't forget that new five-year special brew that's out celebrating five years at Little Brown Jug. Our curling sponsor, Princess Auto. Great to have them on board and a big part of this week. Boston Pizza. Nick and Nikki DQ Group Canadian Club and our friends at Cool Bet Canada. Uh, for Michael Remus, thanks so much. It's been great feedback all week doing the shows here in Saskatoon. I will be back in Winnipeg on Monday. We'll wrap the week in Saskatoon. We'll get ready for the West Final and we'll have the latest on the Winnipeg Jets after games in Minnesota and Calgary this weekend. Folks, have a great one. Thanks for being with us and enjoy the games this weekend. We'll see you on Monday on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go! Home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at WinnipegSportsTalk.com.